So welcome to the Casablanca podcast. I have my boy here, Kev, joining for the first time. You know, wanted to give you something to listen to over international break, something a little different, maybe not Real Madrid really related, even though I'm sure it will come up. Kev, how are we doing today, bro? We are doing great. It's great to be a Spurs fan. You know, <laughs> not as much drama, but yeah, we're doing great. Just getting right to it. So, Kev, I wanted to talk about Ange. I'm not even going to try to say his last name, even though I know I can. I'm just, it took me, uh, Carvach, Pavarts, I'm not even going to try to say it. It took me like six months to figure out that one. Yeah. Um, so, nah, I'm just going to call him Ange from now on. And the reason I wanted to have you on is because, to talk about Ange, for whatever reason, Real Madrid and Spurs kind of have a little bit of history there um you know we were always linked with Pochettino we were always you know we brought in Bale we brought in um Modric you know oh, yeah. I, so there's a little bit of a good history there at least to say the very least but you know I've been watching Spurs and I think that they've been awesome I've really enjoyed watching them I love this style of play and actually part of the reason why I want to talk about him is because his style of play actually kind of resonates with Real Madrid in a lot of ways. You know, like, they'll hit you fast on the counter. They'll possess the ball if they have to. You know, it's kind of like a chameleon, which is, you know, how a lot of us Real Madrid fans refer to our tactics. It's just kind of you, whatever the other team wants to give you, you take. And Ange seems to be doing that. So, like, how have you liked the Ange ride to this point? Well, to say, and one... In one way, it's been fantastic, and you're you're right to call it like a chameleon sort of football, because um, we do we can really play on the counter, which a lot of people aren't mentioning. Um, you know, they're trying to say it's all possession stuff, and yeah, that's the goal to sort of dominate the ball. Um, we've dominated the ball, but we've played lesser opponents, even Manchester United to an extent, but. Yeah, we can really play on the break, and it, it suits us so well with, obviously, Sun down the left. Kulusevski, somewhat, he's really good at dribbling. He's not as pacey, but, yeah. Great we 1v1. Play, yeah, he's good 1v1. He'll run it, guys. He'll make him make a decision. Yeah. he, um, Which is key uh, in a transition team, essentially. Yeah. No, and the funny, the funny thing is, is, like, we play Manchester United, and Ten Hag says that he wants them to be the best transition team in the world. And then we just out-transition them the whole time. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, Ange so far has been a revelation. Um, the goal is like a 2-3-5 in possession, but it doesn't have to be that. Um, Basuma has been a, pretty much a new signing for us under him. Um and just definitely helped his game, giving him more license to be creative and just play how he wants to, really, instead of the old Conte um, sort of negative play, which I think that's something important to talk about, keeping him like comparing and contrasting and <clears throat> with Conte. The difference is, man, everything used to be so negative, and now Pastacago comes in and we're we're an actual team again and there's there's life and there's energy um it's been fantastic um the uh the defense <laughs> the defense is crazy so <laughs> he plays such a high line and you know it's great that we brought in Van de Ven 
because without him, we don't have all that much pace to uh, to sort of keep back because we're, you know, we're leaving so many men up front, we're constantly attacking, putting men in the box. So it's great we brought him in, how fast he is. But yeah, Pasikoglu is, his defense is pretty much offense at the end of the day. And that's kind of just modern football today in general is, you know, uh, it, the longer we hold on to the ball, the less likely the opponent can score. And, you know, the sad part about it or however you want to say it is that, you know, I talked to you about this is that the best way to score is transition. Like it, the mm-hmm. statistics prove this. Yeah. And, but, you know, it, the, the, I just like Ange a lot, and you know, I I didn't know anything about him before. No. Um he was at like Celtic, right? I believe. I don't want to misquote. Yeah, sure he, you would know. he was at Celtic, and he wins the treble there, a domestic treble. But yeah, he's been successful everywhere he's gone, man. Whether it be Japan, he was good with the Australian <clears throat> national team. He's good at Brisbane Roar. Um, no, he's been good everywhere. He just has never really broken through in Europe. It's taken him a, a long time for whatever reason. It's um, a very un uh, characteristic route of elite European coaches in definitely. a big sense because he's hopped around a lot. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but it's really hard to break into the game. Um, like Gallardo at River Plate, you know, teams want him, but they're kind of like, uh, you know, uh, we'll go with someone else. But you know, for what he's done there, he's arguably one of the best coaches in the world, but, you know, he might have to take a job at, like, a lesser club before he gets that role. And, you know, with Ange, I just kind of see, you know, I, no offense, this isn't an attack, but, you know, I doubt Spurs is the be-all, end-all. It could be. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's just say, fucking, if he just starts winning trophies and he's happy and Daniel Levy treats him right, pays him right, the the problem is, isn't Spurs, it's Levy. You know, like, yeah. you're not going to get the signings you want. Get the players you want. He, he, and he doesn't know what to do with the nine position right now. Like, he, you know, and you, me, you and I talked about it. You know, you're like, I just want to throw Son up there. And yeah. you know what? He did, and it, it worked. But, like, you know, they spent all this money on Richarlison, and, like, he's just not a good player. And no. it's just, there's just, Eh, it's just not it's not what you want and you lose Harry Kane. That's really the issue at the end of the day. It's not yeah. like you brought Richarlison in to be Harry Kane, but you know, if and goes positive signs I don't see why you don't back him in the market. You might as well. Yeah. I mean if the if the play's there, which it is, if you're knocking off quote unquote big teams, you know, aka Man United, whatever. Yeah. Um <laughs> You know, no, but like, you know, like this is a team where if he stays and, you know, like, let's just say this Pep, um, I think this Pep era is coming to an end here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be 2024. I don't know if it's going to be 2025. But, you know, if Ange stays there, we're going to see City drop. Liverpool's not nearly as good. This might be a chance where Spurs could actually fill that void at least for a season and maybe snag a league title. When yeah. all these other teams are in transition, yeah, you, you know it, the way you're talking, it sounds like the Premier League could be ran through North London pretty soon. We gotta hope so. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. To your point about backing him in the market, I got to be honest, I, the way Pasacoglu recruits, he's never obviously been in a position where he has anywhere near this amount of money. So we'll see. I mean, you think about you think about James Madison. <clears throat> I don't know how much that's a club signing. Yeah, I don't know how much that's a club signing or a Pasacoglu signing. Either way, it's been brilliant. Probably a mix. Probably yeah. a mix is what you'd have to guess. It was a great market opportunity, one that a club like Spurs couldn't pass up. You know, we literally rewind like two years ago. James Madison was on the top of everyone's list, and Lester just kind of like, nah, like him and Vardy yeah. are just our guys. We have to keep them. And yeah. his snag him for 50 is actually a fantastic price. Oh, yeah, man. No, he's he's got to be like one of the top signings of the summer. And you know, I'm biased, so I think so. But, you know, he's two goals, two assists so far already. Um, talking to some of my friends, they were like, they're downplaying the signing. And I wasn't like, I wasn't expecting this. I was like, yeah, he should be good for us. But now, whenever he's on the ball, I have hope. And it's it's kind of crazy. Whenever <laughs> It's been a long time since I've seen someone get on the ball at Spurs. And like, I'm, I kind of want to stand up and watch. Um, since Erickson, probably bail, I was going to say Bale and Modric, really, but yeah, Erickson's, Erickson's a really good shout too. I mean, yeah, proper baller. Yeah, and you know that's no disrespect to Kane, obviously, but it's, no, it's, it's, it's different. different. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You get it. Um, yeah. So actually, you know, something I probably should have started this with is, uh, how did you become a Spurs fan? How did you get into football? Um, what was your route? Because I'm sure being a Spurs fan is kind of unorthodox in a lot of ways. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I never played football, sadly. It's a regret of mine. But I got into it through some of my close friends in middle school in seventh grade. And <laughs> the way I pick Spurs isn't really like magical or anything. I'm kind of just looking at the Premier League table. And I didn't want to choose the top team. I didn't want to be a Fairweather fan. I, I picked a team that was like in sixth at the time. I was like, "Yeah, sod it, we'll uh, we'll do it." And then ever since then, it's just slowly been falling in love. I mean, I back in the day, like the first ever match I watched was Man U Chelsea. Ronaldo was there, and I like I liked soccer. The twenty fourteen World Cup got me into it more, and then uh, mm-hmm. and then I had to pick a team, and it was Spurs. So I've been a fan for about eight years or so. And, uh, you know, the, the UCL run comes around. <clears throat> Spurs was like, Spurs was something that I enjoyed, not not something passionate about. But then mm-hmm. we're going on the UCL run. And that's probably when, like, if you had to, if you had a gun to my head, that's when I would say I really fell in love with Spurs. So probably more so like 2018, I think that run was, maybe 17. <clears throat> But, you know, Lucas scores the hat-trick against Ajax. We come I away with exactly the... where I was when that happened. Yeah, I was watching it with some of my friends. And... Oh, shoot. Watching it with some of my friends. And, um, yeah, just absolutely ecstatic. It brings a smile to my face every time I think about it. So that's the moment where it's like, all right, I actually really love Spurs. And, ironically, it was Pochettino's last year. So make it that what you will. Yeah, so, you know, I'll probably, I'll just give you some background on mine because I don't even think I've ever said it on this podcast. Um, yeah. 
so you know just i've actually always i actually was a spurs fan around that time i was a huge pochettino <laughs> fan um yeah so actually i like pochettino back when he was with espanol because he, he, he just fucking hates barca <laughs> like any any coach that is actually good and can, will take points off barca and you can like i i I know you don't tune into like La Liga and like lower teams, but like the ongoing joke is, yeah, it doesn't matter how many chances you get against Barcelona because you're just not going to score them. It doesn't matter. The guys just do not finish in front of the net at all. Like you could have a tap in from a yard out, they miss. But Espanol, <laughs> you know that Catalan pride, all that kind of stuff. You know they always get give Barcelona a game, especially under Pochettino. So like, and I wasn't a diehard fan back then. Um, but I, I followed it. Um, it's, it was a lot harder to get La Liga games back when I was in, um, when I was younger in high school. Yeah. But I would watch all the UCL games. So like I was like, I was I was a fan. Um, but the moment where I just fucking fell in love, um, was like I was always in love with Real Madrid. You know, you play FIFA, you play Real Madrid, you play career mode, you yeah. bring in your guys. Like, you know, it's just, it's, you're like a little, you're like a kid in a candy shop. You know, it's fun. And, you know, uh, I, I was always a Real Madrid fan, but I wasn't like in love. Like, it wasn't my favorite until that bail goal in fucking uh, against Barcelona in the Copa del Rey, where yeah. he runs around Bartra all the way out. And like, I was a fan before then. I, you know, I had Gabi Alonso, Mesut Ozil. Like, I loved that. But I really, like, I wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, Real Madrid. Like, I was a Real Madrid fan. I wasn't a Real Madrid fan because of those players. But I was a fan of those players because of Real Madrid. Like, I just always loved midfielders. And so that bail run, and, you know, this kind of ties in because, you know, he's a Tottenham guy. Yeah. was just the moment that I just fell in love with the club. Like, even more so. Like, there are, like, you'll find this out sooner there are moments where you just re-fall in love with the club like you know the bail one's just the one that opened oh, there like when do you remember falling in love that's just the one that comes to my head yeah. obviously there were moments before then like just like uh you know cristiano's comma comma in the funky camp now when he scored the goal and he's just going like this and you're just like dude this is so fucking wonderful and yeah <laughs> There's this, and you know, the, our last UCL run was also another moment where you're sitting there and you're like, man, like, yeah, like how do you like? It just gives you chills. You're like, how do I not love this team anymore? And you're gonna have so many moments like that throughout your fandom with fandom. And honestly, I think this season could easily be one for you. There's gonna yeah, be man. moments this year where like you're just gonna fucking re fall in love with Spurs, and like that's what makes the game like so great, and that's what makes sports so great. Is you're gonna have like ten, twenty, thirty moments of your fandom where you just absolutely fall in love, and you know the reason, the only reason I'm a Real Madrid fan is because my friends that lives in Spain, dad is a Real Madrid fan, and. That's literally it. That's just why I started liking Real Madrid. It's just kind of grown from there. And, you know, you kind of find your way into the fandom. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, if to get off this topic a little bit, uh, I actually do have a question for you. Um, how do you think Ange is going to line up to Pochettino's legacy? And also, mm. I, I want to go on record saying that Pochettino kind of got screwed out of a league in, um, what was it, the year Leicester won? I'm pretty yeah. sure. 
It yeah. was very unfortunate. Lester, it, I'm not saying Lester's win was lucky. Actually, you know, I will say it's lucky. To win any trophy, a lot of luck is involved. Their schedule was just so perfectly aligned with, like, Liverpool played a Champions League game midweek, or City played a Champions game midweek, and they catch them on the weekend. And, like, you know, those teams are going to take that the Champions League draw a little bit more seriously than they're going to take the weekend draw against Leicester. Until the end of the season, you know, they were at the top near yeah. Carson Valley. Do you remember the Leicester League? I'm sure you do, vaguely. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And um, we play, we lost the, we lost the title race, I should say, against um, against Chelsea, and Hazard scored a beautiful goal against us. Um, yeah, that was a crazy season. I <laughs> the Leicester run was pretty crazy. You make a good a good point about that. Um, how will Pochettino or how will Postecoglou line up against Pochettino's legacy? He could very very well surpass him. I mean. We're so early on, and yet there's so much like, there's just so much energy around the club at the moment. Um, it's just been fantastic. the The thing is, like, we have the Carabao Cup against Fulham, and uh, he rotates the squad. And I was a little disappointed about that. I can't be honest. I mean, I have to be honest. That's a that's a competition we could easily have won. Um, but you know what? Maybe he's maybe he's going for the FA Cup. I'm not sure. Um, maybe he's also trying to tell Levy, "Hey, look, we have no depth on this team. We're gonna lose this game." You know, could be could be some sort of p- political sort of sort of power move there. But yeah, man, the way Ange, you know, he's known to be a great communicator. Pochettino also wasn't necessarily that. He was sort of Levy's little little uh little boy honestly levy did whatever he wanted to do pochettino had no demands under him with transfers um i do know that pasacoglu won't have that with levy um so yeah you know say we somehow make top four which i'm not convinced we will just because of the I'm depth you will. well thank you i hope so but the depth is i think a- i think you guys are the second best team in the league <laughs> Behind City, of course. Yes, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Our we'll see. Not, not yet. Yeah, I mean, Arteta. Not yet, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I think, I think it was just a little window that they they got hot, and that was it. Like, I, like they didn't impress me in Europe. Like, it, and then it, by the end of it, it was just over. Like, it, it was like they were never even there. Yeah. <laughs> they were never even there. But they didn't do anything all season. Like, I, did they? I, they didn't even win anything. No, they, they didn't. Um, no, yeah, not last season. They didn't win anything, which is which is pretty funny. The Gunner fans make it seem like they did. Um, yeah, they won. They won uh, the halfway cup trophy. They yeah. won halfway through the year. Good job. Congrats. <clears throat> the city did not give a fuck. Yeah, and that's what's scary about that city team. Really, is just oh, the yeah. fact that. They pretty much decide when and when not to turn it on. Um, I don't think the City team is... I, I think they're a little overhyped this year, personally. I don't know about you. I actually think that... I think Ange sees that, honestly. I, I think that's why he rotated against 
in the against Fulham in the Carabao Cup. I, I really do. I think that Spurs actually. I don't think they're. I don't think they can win this year. I think they're gonna fight though. I yeah. really do. I fully believe that. Um, I don't know when you guys play City, but that you guys aren't gonna beat City, and that's gonna be the issue. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are City's bogey team. Um, at least under Conte and Mourinho, we always somehow beat them. But um, well, well, I, well because those guys have Pep's number. That has, I think, that has yeah. a little less to do with Spurs and more to do with Mourinho being a fucking psychopath and Conte <laughs> just being so pragmatic. And you know, that's how you beat City. And that's why I actually think you guys will do well against City because you guys will be like, okay, we might we'll play our high line. That's fine, but you know, don't push us too high because we'll just play Thon through, like you yeah. know. And that's how you know that's how Real Madrid knocked out that City team two Champions Leagues ago. It's you know you weather the storm, and if you can, the problem the problem with a lot of Prem clubs is they're really stupid when they play City. They're like, let's play this high line, and we don't really have the defenders to play this high line, and let's try to hold the ball against City. Like, let City have the ball. <laughs> yeah. But be impact. And yeah. that's how you beat them. Um, it's like, the, I don't know if you remember this, and this just popped into my head. Um, when Zidane would play uh, Simeone's Athletic, Atletico, I don't know why I just said Athletic. Um, <laughs> he would purposely give them the ball because they don't want the ball. Yeah. Take it. Take it. We don't want it. We're gonna send a low block. We'll both sit in low block. We don't really care. And you know, that that made that Atletico team really uncomfortable because they didn't want to be on the ball. Um so, you know, just finding that happy medium of, you know, and I, I guess part of the problem why I don't think Spurs will compete with City in a one on one game, it's not the offense, it's not the forwards, it's not the midfield. The defense worries me. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Spurs' defense? And I, the, the high line isn't what concerns me, actually. You know, yeah. a high line's whatever. It's, you know, everyone so, plays a high line now. Yeah, that's true. So the one thing I will say is um, we have the Cario in net now, which is a major difference from last season. I like him. Yeah. And, you know, that first game, he has you can tell he's nervous and he's making some risky passes. Some of them aren't coming off, but now he's already growing into himself and he's got a lot of sort of swagger about him, honestly. Um, and he's a great shot stopper. Lloris was starting to really sort of have some powers. Yeah. So he stayed about three seasons too long, I think. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I have love for him. He's been, he's been a part of it ever since I became a fan. And, uh, yeah, the defense, I wrote it down here. We conceded 63 goals last season under under a Conte team. That's a you lot. Know, it, yeah, it's a lot of goals. And I don't really see how we could get any worse, you know. <laughs> no way it can get any worse than 63. <laughs> I mean, you probably, I mean, actually, no. So you guys definitely don't play about 60 games. You guys probably play yeah. about like 50. That's really not that bad. That's like 1.3 a game, roughly. Well, um, we conceded 63 goals in the league. That's what you got to remember. Oh, in the league. Oh, my yes. God. I thought you meant throughout the fucking season. Holy shit, no. that's really brutal. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, yeah, well, it, it won't be worse than that. Um, yeah. 
the outside back situation is really the one that's concerning for me. Is that concerning yeah. for you as a fan of Spurs, I'm sure? Um, it is. I can't lie, like he seems to prefer Pedro Poro at right back right now. I like Pedro Poro. Yeah, I like him too. I think he's a thumbbag, but I like him as a player. <laughs> he's definitely uh you can definitely see that he might have killed someone before. But um Well anyways. I don't know about him and Joe Felix's girlfriend like Oh no, I don't. Job. Yeah, like when he was at sporting, he was like hanging out with Jal Felix's girlfriend, and like Jal Felix is still with this girl. And to me, it's like fuck both of them. But hey, she must throw some awesome parts or something. Like I, I don't <laughs> know. Like, I, it's got to be something because yeah. But <laughs> that's why I don't like him as a person because I, yeah. I don't like cheaters. That's my thing. Fair enough. Um, um but he's a yeah. player. He is good. The the thing that I was going to say, though, is he is not the best defensively. And so, <clears throat> like, he's rapid, so he can come back, but he might make a mistake and Romero has to make up for it. Um, that being said, Messi did just call Christian Romero the best center back in the world. I He said it, not me. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the most messy thing that I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah. But Christian Romero is great. If he stays healthy, like if he's... If he stays disciplined, it'll it'll go a long way for us. Last year, he uh, he really showed some inability to control his temper. He got sent off in the second leg against Milan in the round of sixteen. That was no fun. So, you know, if he stays if he stays disciplined, if he stays healthy, we have a chance. Um, I really like Van de Ven. But the depth, once again, the depth is what scares me. Um, we just got rid of Davinson Sanchez to Galatasaray, and he I was actually, was yeah, he's my. If if I were picking a team, he'd be my third choice center back, which you know that says something about our depth. It's it's definitely not that good. I like yeah. Sanchez though. As a, actually, I like him a lot as a center back. I, I've always been a fan, um, and. Still, Sergio Regulon on the books, Emerson Royale on the books, um, you know, Ben Davies on the books. Yeah, Eric Dyer on the books as well. Which I mean, you know, if Eric Dyer is fourth choice. I'd be okay with it's better than Johnny Evans. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worse than Johnny Evans. But you know, I, I don't. The midfield for me, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna count. I'm not going to really count Madison as a midfielder because he's a 10. But yeah, that's Basuma, fair. Basuma's been awesome. Um, God, the name is on the tip of my tongue. Who's been playing to the left of him? Uh, Fucking, uh, Pape Montesar. Thank you. I didn't I didn't know much about this guy, but I, I like both of them. They both play really well together. You know, I think that you're looking at arguably, you know, the best double pivot in the league right there. <laughs> and, you know, when you throw Madison into the bunch of those three, like, you know, let's just say it's an inverted triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Your two eights and a your two eights and a ten. I mean, I think arguably you have you know, arguably you don't, but you could make an argument that it's the best midfield trio. And I think it's fair to say it's actually the best midfield trio other than Man City. Wow, that I mean, I'm inclined to believe with you because I love those guys. Um, I mean, tell me who's is better. It's it's hard to say. I I think about not Newcastle's, Liverpool, not Liverpool, not yeah, not 
Arsenal. Arsenal playing Kai Havertz there. Like, ew. <laughs> Please stop. Yeah. Um, Martin Odegaard's playing way too deep. And I, I'm a huge Martin Odegaard fan. Like, huge. Um, mm-hmm. It's just... It's, it, it's, it's balanced. That, I, I, it's the most balanced midfield in the league with, like, talent and everything. I'll say that. I'll go on record in saying that. Yeah. I mean... See, the thing... The thing that you have to appreciate um, about our midfield is that we have spent probably three to four times less on it than Chelsea has, for example. Um, Basuma was about 30 to 35 million, and now he looks like he is worth Caicedo money, you know? Like, and again, we're only four games in, so I don't want to jump the gun, but he really does look good. He's going to get 100 touches a game. He's going to progress the ball. He's going to carry the ball. And he's going to get back defensively. He is an absolute star. And I think, you know, he could easily be at, at a Madrid one day had they not have the midfield that they do. Um, but yeah, Saar has looked great. He spent a few years out on loan in League One for a little while and he's still young he's like 20 years old um he looks great as like a box-to-box kind of guy he uh he played a brilliant ball into uh madison for madison's second goal of the season so he looks great um and all these players are just it's like they've changed overnight as they're in this new system versus the old conte system where he pretty much just has two sixes two ball ball winning midfielders and now they have license to pass the ball. It's not side to side anymore. It's just been fantastic. Um, the other aspect about the midfield, which everyone loves to talk about the inverted fullbacks, but they do invert sometimes. They do tuck in. And Poro, there are question marks about his ability to do that. There are questions about Udogi's ability to do that. But they've both. I like him a lot. Yeah, dude. They've He's both good. looked great. We uh, it's kind of funny how all these signings that Spurs fans weren't too thrilled about now look great, and most of them, you know, nine out of the starting or eight out of the starting eleven are not Pasakalu signings. Only three are, and so you can really only hope. Um, but yeah, the midfield looks great. We we look to generate chances through the midfield by doing, you know, the, the midfield starts to starts with the possession and then it goes out to the wing and we start to try and combine down the wing with, you know, the fullback and the winger. And uh, usually Madison comes in to help. But, uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. I'm, I'm loving the midfield. And I used to think that was the worst part of our team. So, Well, and something that I think is I find – quite interesting is just the fact that you have a complete change in just vibe yeah just because a new manager comes in and you know this is something that like a lot of real madrid fans talk about and you know debate and i i don't think i've ever talked to you about it specifically um just the fact that like this is, you know, we, I, I, before you were probably ever paying attention to Real Madrid, we had the most toxic locker room, like, ever. From, like, yeah. M- Mourinho, the locker room was split right down the middle. It was Bobby Alonso, 
Arvaro Arbaloa, Mourinho versus like Casillas, Ramos, Ozil, Benzema. It's like toxicity. Then Carlo yeah. comes in. Carlo fixes the vibe. He's just a vibe fixer always, right? And but like the vibe was still off from like the Mourinho stuff. Like, yeah. like Bale and Cristiano were fine. They never had any problems. But it's not like Cristiano just doesn't really. Be, he he just. You know, he's just Cristiano. Like, he's got a big personality. He's got a big ego, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just—it's a vibe. It—it it, you know, check your vibe at the door. Yeah. That team did not. You know, like Ramos, a big personality. Casillas, a big personality. Um, you know, these guys think they had an opinion. You know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I don't know if you ever saw that Ramos quote. When, like, we were linked with Conte, and Ramos pretty much went to the media and was like, no, not happening. This is oh, not wow. ever happening. Yeah, and, like, they had that kind of power. Because they do. I yeah. mean, they, they really, they do. They're big personalities. They're beloved by the fans, so they know that they should do something. <laughs> 20 years at the club. Like, you can say what the fuck he wants. Yeah. We don't care. You know, El Capitan, El Capitan gets what El Capitan wants. Like, we just let it happen. But, like, still a big personality. How many, Ramos is a fantastic penalty kick taker. Like, how many teams in the World Seriously are like, yeah, center back, penalty kick taker? Hell yeah, do it, bro. Like, I mean, he gets to do it because he's that good. He's that flashy. But, like, he gets that. Cristiano yeah. leaves, he's like, I'm, that's me. That's me. Like, that just doesn't happen. Um, like even now, like we like now our PK take we don't even know who the fuck our PK taker is. Like <laughs> it's like like Vinicius took one in preseason. We're like, what? And I'm I'm pro Vinicius taking them. Like to me, get the kinks out now. To me, he, if he's our guy, if he's our poster boy, let him take them. Just like I wouldn't be like, oh Cristiano, like, eh, you know, yeah, whatever. Um, actually, Cristiano when he first joined, he actually split penalties with Kaká because. He was cool with it. He's like, yeah, uh-huh. you can take penalties. He's like, it's all me. No one's touching this. <laughs> well, like, he would give them away from time to time. But, like, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, we don't really know who's taking them right now. We have a bunch. We have a, we have a handful of good PK takers, though. Yeah. Jose Lu's really good. Modric is really good. David Alaba's really good. Tony Cruz is really good. You know, these are guys that have scored PKs in the biggest games of their careers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now our vibe is completely different. And that's why a lot of fans were like anti, not a lot of fans, a lot of fans for being against Mbappe, the ones that were, they were like, he's going to mess up the chemistry in the locker room. You know, like, you see, like, they win a UCL game and they're all, da- like, that 38-year-old Madrid signed the dancing with 20-year-old Vinicius. You yeah. know, like, that's, it's just the vibe. And, like, that's something I've noticed with the Spurs team. It's just, it's just the vibe is good, man. And, like, honestly, and I don't, this isn't me, like, trying to, like, say, like, oh, my God. But, like, I wonder what would happen if if Kane was there. Like, if Kane was there, like, seriously, like, you have a top three striker in the world. You have, Don gets to play on the left, where he's really a top five left winger in the world. Um... When he's on, he had a bad year last year, so you know he gets docked a little bit. But I still firmly believe Son is one of the best left wingers in the world. Um, mm-hmm. 
so, you know, like I just the vibe feels good with them. And, you know, that's something you don't get with Conte. That's something you don't get with Mourinho. And I'm not sure how Ange is as a man manager, but he seems to make people happy right now, and that's all that matters. Yeah, man. No, his... From what I understand, all the players that he's dealt with have really loved him. Um, And, you know, these are happening in lesser leagues, so, like, the stories don't get out as much, or at least we're not as... no massive personalities in the locker room either. Yeah, true. You're not you're, <laughs> you're not, not dealing with Cristiano. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very good point. But um, yeah, the the vibe, the unity, it all feels it all feels great. Um, you know, asking about if Kane was there, we looked great in preseason when we had him. Um, <laughs> we scored like five past Shakhtar. Um, yeah, it it did look it did look solid when we had him, but I will say without him, we're sort of like, we don't really have any expectations anymore. It feels as if these last few seasons might've been, okay, we're playing for Harry. Um, to some extent, at least I know, you know, there's still some big egos, but that's sort of what it felt like at, at, at points. And now that he's not there, like I said, there's no expectations and they can just play their game. Um, which is obviously a big help, and there's really no expectations at all. Like, I top four would be a success. I know that's I know that's sad to say these days, but uh, I mean yeah. that's all Man United care, fans care about is top four. That's all they <laughs> fucking talk about. So yeah, and you know it'd be great for us that that extra money. Um, <laughs> the uh. When they score, they're all coming around each other. It's they're all doing like four celebrations every goal. It's 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 fun, and it looks like they're all they're all having a lot of fun. Whereas Conte, we'd win, and it's just it felt almost too workmanlike. It felt too sort of I'm not sure what the word is. Maybe clinical, but we weren't clinical, so I don't want to use that word. Um, More like job like in a way, like yeah, they're just there to do a job and go home. Yeah, like no Whereas, happiness in the workplace. Yeah, there was no no happiness at all. Um, and like you said, Conte is a pragmatist, and no disrespect to him, he's obviously a, a legendary manager, but just was not the fit for Spurs and Son specifically. Our new captain, he's a happy go lucky guy, and with someone like. With with Pastacoglu managing now, someone who's gonna not be like Conte and just shit on players during the media, I think it's a great fit. Um, Pastacoglu is the captain of that team. Son just wears the armband. Honestly, that's what it feels like. Had Kane stayed there, maybe he'd be wearing the armband. But it, I don't think it really matters. They're all they're playing for their manager, and that's that's what it is now. So it's it's been fantastic. Well, you know, and to relate that just to, you know, what I see on a daily basis with Real Madrid and what we talk about is like, so like at Real Madrid, if you're the longest tenured person there, you get the armband, no questions asked. You know, and a lot of people like it. A lot of people don't. The fan base is kind of 50-50. I'm, I really don't care. But like, to me, it's like David Alaba should be captain. Like the, the significance when he's there and when he's not is just huge. But, yeah. 
you can be a leader without wearing an armband. And that's kind of what the whole vibe is and what you get. And, you know, that's something that at Real Madrid, we just see those mentality monsters. And, you know, you've you've seen our Champions League runs. You know, you see yeah. this. The, the mentality that the guys did never give up, you know, they're, they're down four goals and they're like, come on guys, let's go. Like we got this. And like the spirit of Juanito lives on through, you know, the burnabout always, but you know, you need leaders all over the pitch. You know, you got for us, for example, you got David Alaba in the back who, you know, when, when he's not there, we miss him. You got Courtois and net who is, you know, very vocal, always critiquing, always, you know, fixing, always asking for more from players. You know, you got Modric, you got Cruz in midfield. Cruz more of a quiet leader, but, you know, he does it behind closed doors. Luca does it openly, you know. Uh, there's a famous uh, exchange between Isco and Luca when he's there. And Luca's like, I said, give me the fucking ball. Give me the fucking ball. <laughs> and Isco's like, no. And then Sergio Ramos is like, when he says give him the fucking ball, you give him the ball. And Isco's just kind of like, well, fuck me. Like, and you know, that was just, you know, leaders lead through a multitude of ways. And you know, that's kind of something we're missing with Benzema not being there, is that like, he was kind of a different leader in a lot of ways, but you know, and then you just you have good locker room presences, and that that's something that I think Tottenham could use. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't really know. I, I think Romero is the leader of that back line, but like you said, you know, dude needs to get his emotions under control a lot of the time. And like, you know, I, I just think a leader in all parts of the field, you know, Basuma could be that leader in midfield, and Son could be that leader in attack. But in the back line, you know, like you need guys to coordinate with each other and when shit hits the fan who's gonna calm everybody else down because the manager can because he's just on the sidelines yeah and you know that's something that i think spurs if if it does go wrong this year i think that's the issue i'm not gonna blame Ange. i'm not gonna blame the attack i'm not gonna blame the midfield i'm not gonna blame the defense you need leaders on the pitch and stone is a leader, but he's a different kind of leader. Yeah. He's like a Tony Cruz kind of leader where like he's just happy and he's just, you know, Sonic's just happy. Not that Tony Cruz Tony Cruz looks like a he's your typical German, but what I mean is that like, <laughs> he's like a quiet leader. Son is like a quiet leader, but Son does it through like happiness and like being a good time and being a good teammate. Like it's different. Someone needs sometimes you need a guy to kick you in the ass. Um and I don't really know where Madison fits in all this because it could be James Madison. He looks like, you know, when I see him out there, he's communicating, he's doing his thing. Um, is that something that you would agree with that me that, you know, a leader, the team needs a leader on the pitch to help no, them? Yeah, I, I definitely do agree. Um, the thing to keep in mind is that so far this season, we've fielded the second average, the second youngest average starting 11. <clears throat> So we're a young squad, and you know, behind leadership, Arsenal, right? Yeah, behind Arsenal, fuck them. But um, so you know, leadership does come with experience a lot of the time. Um, and like you said, Sun's not super vocal, but honestly, you think you think you think pre-Ange. <clears throat> I always say Ange instead of Ange. Um, anyways, you think before he comes in, Larissa's is our captain. I can only think of a handful of times where I'm seeing him like yelling and corralling the defense. He was also a very quiet leader. Um, yeah. 
So it's been something we've been lacking for a while. Um, There's some fans that were saying Hoiberg should be the captain, but that he doesn't really seem to fit into Pasakoglu's plans too much. Um, no. And Big obviously, the, player, though. yeah, the decision's been made now, and it's Suns to, to wear until he leaves. Um, so I, I agree. Um, Perisic is one of the older guys on the on the squad. Um, God, I forgot he's there. God. Yeah. Um, God. There's rumors now that he's gonna he's gonna be leaving soon, but you know, guys like that we can definitely use. Um, Fraser Foster is also there, but he seems pretty pretty uh, mild and laid back. Um, yeah, it's tricky because you obviously want to see young guys come in, but. You know, we could bring in we could bring in someone in midfield for depth that can vocal and <laughs> and sort of get the young guys uh cooled down and sort of I think it's something off. that Liverpool will miss in Jordan Henderson a lot and James yeah. Milner a lot. Um and you know, it's something that I just I think Tottenham squad kind of still needs a lot of revamping before this project is actually like we're here to win now. Yeah. You know, um I I do agree that I think top 4 is the goal this year. Um personally I try to win a trophy somewhere. I don't think there's much European football this year for Tottenham am I correct with that? I think they just missed out on Conference League. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we did miss out on Conference League. Right? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's probably for the better mm-hmm. in Angie's first season. I know it sucks. Oh, cool. We well, you're already out of Car- Carabao Cup, so um, now you have you pretty much get right now. We're counting 39 games. Is what you guys are going to play this year, and then whatever FA Cup adds. Um, yeah. I don't think that's a bad number. Actually, I think with your squad, I wouldn't really rotate much at all. I would kind of have my 11 and just kind of, you know, wear them down as much as I could. Maybe, like, pull a guy here and there, but you're not playing 60, 70 games in a season. I guess part of the real problem is, you know, Don is traveling from Korea, and Romero is traveling from Argentina, and it's not like those are a short flight, um, you know, that's and yeah. the way that the scheduling fuck, and you know, we can we can talk about this if it's something that intrigues you. Um, yeah, um, that they they play like two games and then they come back and they get two days of rest, and one of those days of rest is a flight, a like sixteen hour flight, yeah. and then they're like, well, do we play them? Do we not? You know, and that's a problem we have because we have we're really low on attack, so like Vinny and Rodrigo kind of have to play after a fucking. You know, Brazil and Spain are halfway across the world from each other. Yeah. No, the the scheduling point is actually very, very relevant to Spurs. Um, I'm pretty sure it's called the Africa Cup of Nations. That happens in January. And Saar and Basuma, our double pivot, will both be are playing. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, if Bentecourt, you guys don't get top four, it's because of that. I, I would yeah. put money on it. Yeah. That's Bentecourt, like 13 games missed, bro. I know. It's, it's from like middle of January to early February if if the uh if the nations go far. And uh Benton Kerr will be back, but he's 
He's a different profile from Basuma. He can't anchor the midfield like he can. And it means we'll have to play like Oliver Skip or something. So, yeah, the scheduling is very relevant for us. Um, Sun is also in the Asia Cup of Nations or whatever it's called. I think I'm calling them the, the names that they're that they're called in football manager instead yeah, of the I don't actual know what names. I don't know what that – no, the, it is called the African Cup of Nations for um, – Africa, but I yeah. don't know what it's called for Asia. I, and when do they play that? Like, who the fuck knows? It's at the same time. It's at the same time as the uh, African one. So <laughs> it could really mess us up. Um, you know, you think the front three then will be Solomon, Richarlison, Kulisevsky, unless we bring in someone in January, which I pray to God we do because we can reinvest in Kane money. Like, I think Pasacagua has shown that it's not like he's going to get fired mid-season. Um, but yeah, the scheduling is extremely, extremely relevant. Um, the good thing about our scheduling is towards the back end of the season, we have a very, very light run um, because it's the same run as we've had now, which has been pretty light. Um, we do have Arsenal coming up later this month away so that'll be our first real test and i'd be happy to come back on then and tell you how i really feel everything could have everything could have changed by then you know Mm -hmm. Uh, this the the world of football is very reactionary it's tough not to be um yeah we'll just we'll just have to see i think it starts january 12th i just looked it up it's called the afc asian cup yeah so there you go we'll We'll be missing Sun. Um, you know, that's our captain now. We're going to be missing a very important part of our team. Oh, the one thing I did want to say is about Sun being a, a left winger. I think I think that this striker role actually really fits him the more and more I've thought about it. Um, because in, in this system, the player that receives the through balls is actually the striker. We didn't. We didn't think that that would be the case when Pasukawu comes in, but he he sort of uh, tweaked some things um, from Celtic to Spurs, and you know you see our recent game against Burnley, Poro plays two beautiful balls to to Son for, uh, or it was Poro and someone else, but you know two of Son's goals are through balls, and that's where he shines best. He's very good at running those channels, which was what made him good as a left winger. So. He almost gets to play as a left winger, as a striker in this system. Um, so I'm really excited. He has, you know, he's only scored in one game, throws a hat trick, but he's also only gotten like 1.4 xg throughout this season so far. So the more and more we create for him, the better and better he's going to get. I think he's finally out of this bad patch of form. You know, last season we. Found out he was playing through injury the whole time. So, yeah, it's looking great. And we'll miss him in January for sure. Do you think that Spurs might make a move in January? Or you don't think? It's very rare teams make a move in January. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would be anything too crazy. Um, we did just sign Brennan Johnson. I completely forgot about because he hasn't played for oh, us yet. Oh, too. Yeah, he signs. That. He signs, and then we go on international break. So, he's a very important component of this whole thing moving forward. Even, um, we'll see. I don't. 
how, how does he fit? Do you believe? Do you think? I think. See, for Forrest, he normally is playing as a central forward or right winger. Uh, I know he can play off the left. That's where I would prefer to play him, so we can fit him, Son, and Kulusevski. But yeah, if if Kulu's out of form, throw in Brennan Johnson. I think Menor Solomon looks great. He has two assists and his only start. Him. Yeah, so. You know, Pasakalu does have options to rotate, and I think he's going to mix and match until he finds the front three that works for him, honestly. Which I don't think Richarlison's included, but. No. Um, but, you know, Richarlison's a very streaky player, actually, and if he could just find form in the month of January, that would that would be pretty nice, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I actually, you know, Let's just. Do you want to talk about FIFA scheduling? I, I kind of want to get your <laughs> thoughts on that. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious of your thoughts because again, something we haven't talked about. Um, yeah. So FIFA, obviously, the whole scheduling is just ridiculous. It's like three international breaks in the middle of the season. The stupid Nations Cups. Yeah. Every fucking year, they play it in the middle of club. The clubs don't want to send their players to these competitions, but they don't want to be like, yeah, you're not playing for your nation. Who doesn't pay you jack shit in compared to the millions, arguably billions for some players of dollars I've invested into you, your development, you know, advertising you, your image rights, everything. And have you ever, have you heard Arsene Wagner's uh, opinion on it? Not on the scheduling, no. I know that he's behind the, the new World Cup format, though, right? I I don't know. He's always behind something. <laughs> but his, his yeah. interna- his, he wants to just say, get rid of international breaks in general and just have a international break. Where, yeah. let's just say, he's like, just pick a month. Let's just say it's fucking February. Yeah. You go for, you know, you, you take six weeks out of the club season just put the six weeks into the regular season and just call it a day. And, you know, that's something that interests me. But, you know, we have a new Club World Cup, which is a good idea. But you're adding more games. You have a new Club World Cup competition. The Prem already plays two cup competitions. Like, why? Like, nobody <laughs> asked for the Carabao Cup. Nobody asked for it. Nobody wanted it. It's just a fucking glorified trophy that if a if a top six team gets to and wins, they're like, Paul, oh, look, we added a trophy to our trophy cabinet, aka man fucking united. And yeah. it's just a joke that no one cares about. Um in Spain, some of the problems we have is we send fucking Real Madrid, Barcelona, and two other clubs to Saudi Arabia in the middle of the fucking season to yeah. play a Spanish super cup that we used to play before the season fucking started. And now you're just, just to get some money out of Saudi, you're like, well, we can't play it in fucking, we can't play it in fucking May or April or June because it's fucking 200 goddamn degrees Fahrenheit in the middle of the goddamn desert. So we're just going <laughs> to put it in the middle of the fucking season. Like, what are you doing? Like, I understand this is a business. You want to make money. We get that. Yeah. But the players say they don't want it. The players say they don't like it. 
we need a, some sort of a players union. We need we need something. There there needs to be something there because you know or you or guess what? Germany fucked because Tony Cruz retires at the age of thirty because he's like, I have my World Cup. I got my five UCLs. Like I'm good. Like I, I don't care about Germany anymore. Like yeah. I don't like you know Joachim Love was my guy. You guys fired him. I'm out. Like it's cool. See you later. And they all try to get him to come back, but he's like, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. Like in other sports, you obviously the NBA player union might be a little too strong, but there is there is not necessarily a way for players to represent themselves in the in the sport of football, which is which is difficult. I mean, yeah. there's so many complications. <clears throat> And, you know, first and foremost, that, so many countries that play it in each country is going to have mm-hmm. different roles. Yeah. And, you know, you think back to like the stat where Pedri played like 90 games in one year. I might be exaggerating. Five games in one calendar year. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And hasn't <laughs> been, hasn't had a healthy season since. There you go. And he was like 18 years old doing that. That's, that just doesn't feel right. Um, uh, there was something else I was just thinking about. Oh, the corruption in FIFA is obviously a, a lot of this. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a part of the tale of the whole thing. It's a part of why there's no FIFA video game anymore, and it's EAFC. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's milking something that is pretty damn close to being out of milk like i don't see how they can really generate that much more revenue and yet they're continuously pushing it um you know it almost almost makes you wonder about the super league and what could have been done there um we can transition to that yeah i mean because now you have the champions league and they're playing more games there's going to be like a hundred plus and they they're the way they're doing it is fucking stupid like I, like it's just it's so it hurts my head because I'm like, what if like little old fucking Ajax who could have gotten through their group now gets fucked because they're in a pot with Real Madrid, Barcelona, fucking Bayern Munich, City, and then guess what? They gotta play all of them away. Or they gotta yeah. play all of them. Let's just say they gotta play all of them at home, and they get like far away and Galatasaray away, and like their so-called easier games. They have to play away in these impossible stadiums to go to and get points, and it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just so frustrating. It's yeah. really frustrating. And like, let's be honest. I- I'm sure you're gonna agree with me. This past weekend, fucking sucked ass. I'm sitting here like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I have no <laughs> football to watch. I don't give a fuck if Portugal is playing. Either be one. I don't give a fuck if Argentina's playing Haiti. Like I don't give a fuck about these games. Yeah. No, you you see like four through three post about Japan beating Germany real bad. It's like I don't care. This game is meaningless. Um, I mean, it wasn't meaningless. It's the Hansa Flick who got fired, but yeah, he, yeah, he was fired because he got smoked in the World Cup. And they're like, look, we're giving you one more shot, and then he's gone. Like, yeah. So, yeah, no, that's a good point. But, like, sure, it's interesting. I know the United States, for example, played, what was it, Uzbekistan. But I don't I don't know what the result was. Uh, 
nor did I care. Of the yeah, results. exactly. If we had, if we had won, I don't I don't care because. I, anyways, um, <laughs> the U.S. the U.S. national team is frustrating as well. But yeah, no, I I can definitely subscribe to just one international break. Apply the word mean like literally. Um, yeah, they're just the Nations League is pretty pretty wacky. Um, there's so but many types of trophies. You know, huh? like they have they can't they have to play it now. Like they have to play it in January. They don't have a choice. Like it's too like it's easy to post it. It's way too fucking hot in June to play it. So like I get it, but like just stop club football then. Stop it. Yeah. Just have the international break be then. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Spurs don't lose three fucking key starters. Yeah. You know, Sevilla don't lose Bonu. As, he's not there anymore, but that's why Real Madrid apparently opted for Kepa was because they didn't want to lose Bonu for 13 games. Yeah. Apparently that's how much we, we, we and you know, he plays for a good fucking Morocco team, so you know they're going to go deep. Yeah. So you, you know you're missing them, and it's just, it's just why? Like, I get these guys want to play for their countries. And I and I love that they can play for their countries. Because what other sport can you really do that in? Hardly any. I mean, I mean yeah, basketball, but the U.S. dominates. Well, like, well, I, I mean, <laughs> no, I know they lost in the FIBA, but like they didn't yeah. have their guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they didn't have their guys. And like, so do you want a watered down competition, or do you? I mean, you could do it in the NHL, but the NHL doesn't allow. The, the NHL hasn't allowed their players to go to the World the World Cup. Hasn't allowed their players to go to the Olympics for since I was in college because yeah. they're like you're you're cutting into our season. Like no, yeah. and they just have to stop hockey for that month because all the best hockey players in the world are now leaving, and you're not going to call AHL players to fill games. And so you know you kind of have to find some sort of happy medium, and they're doing the opposite as they're just like more games. More games, more money, more games, and it's just kind of like I know it all goes back to the corruption. But even this whole this club world cup is a fucking wonderful idea, like it's wonderful. But like UEFA gets like sixteen spots out of thirty two. Like yeah, wh- like why why is Man United going? Like let me fucking know. Like <laughs> I, I I know they're not like late, they're not like clinched, but like even with this new Champions League, there's now legacy. Legacy bids. So Manchester United gets in because they have a UCL. I know. Like, how is that fair? How is that fair to someone that actually like worked their ass off to get there? And you're, and then you, and I'm, I love the Conference League. I think it's a wonderful idea. But the Conference League is still fucked because, like, if an English team or a Spanish team or a German team goes deep in that, like, their pockets are just so much deeper than you know. Club Rouge and Club Rouge is actually a terrible example because they're so fucking good and just knocked out Osasuna. But like, yeah, just do you know how the Belgium league actually works? Uh, quick tangent. No, I, I, I kind of forget. But one quick. They have a playoff, dude. It's so cool. Club Rouge has won like the last five. Even they get like fourth, and then they just win the playoff. Oh shit, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I've thought about that for the Prem. 
which I, I guess I thought about not... that for a lot of things. I'll get yeah. into it. To your point, a playoff. Um, oh. oh, with the with the legacy bids and the Champions League, it's like we have all this outrage when they propose the Super League and they're going to go through with it. And there's like there's hardly any noise about this when this is this is pretty much the same thing except. I mean, I don't want to call it worse, but it's worse. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse because the Super League came out with a second format, which was much better because it's not owned by UEFA. So they hear the outrage and they're like, oh, sorry, we'll fix it. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, the Super League is still a thing, by the way. Every club yeah. that joined legally cannot leave. <laughs> or they, it's, you know how like Florentino Perez fucked. Figo, actually, I know you don't. You never watched the Figo affair, which is why you need to watch it. But like in in Figo's clause, it's like if you back out, you owe me like thirty million dollars, which for like early two thousands was like a shit ton of money. And money he didn't have. He's like fuck, looks like I'm going to Real Madrid. But you know that that was included in the clause of the twelve founding clubs of the Super League. So mm. like they can say, whoa, we're out, but they're not really out. And the only reason I know this is because of. Do you know Steven Mandis? Mm-mm. He's a writer. So, uh, fantastic book, Real Madrid Way. You could read it. You'd really enjoy it. I. It might have been one of the books I sent you. He wrote that, but he's writing like a second book to it called The Real Madrid Revolution, and it talks about like the Super League and how Real Madrid is fighting the Premier League and Saudi and like how they are, how they plan to compete in the future, and you know, look as a club that doesn't have an owner, how do they function? among all this oil money essentially yeah um so another book that i the only reason i know about is because a guy i listen to steven mandis like a guy a podcaster i listen to he's a big real madrid writer and steven mandis sent him the book so he can read it and you know give him notes on it Um, but that being said it's just there's just so much stuff going on and you know they shit on the super league and you know they got what they wanted they pushed the fake narrative that wasn't true the super league was just going to replace the champions league you know anyone that knew anything about it knew that but you know you have guys on tv going we want to play burnley on a rainy tuesday night and they're like crying about it and so there's all this outrage about playing burnley on a tuesday night and like honestly like Let's let's keep it a buck, Kevin. I, I don't give a fuck about Burnley on a Tuesday night, bro. <laughs> I, that's like that's like Real Madrid playing fucking. It's like an, it's like the NBA team playing a D League team and a fan and it, and the fans crying about it. Like, and I'm not. I, I'm I am pro Super League and I want to keep La Liga. Let's like I I want to make that clear that I love La Liga. Yeah, but. Is it so bad to have the best teams in the world competing against each other all the time? Like, are you, Kevin, would you really cry about it if you saw Real Madrid play Bayern Munich twice a year, every single year, and Real Madrid versus City twice a year, every single year, and you get to watch El Clasico four times a year? Would you really cry about that? I mean, no. As a consumer, no. But No, you're not. You <laughs> it's like watching Lakers Celtics, or it's like watching Red Sox Yankees, like, and they play yeah. 18 times a year, and Red Sox Yankees, even when they both suck, is still fucking electric. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, getting back into this discourse, I'm trying to remember like the implications on the smaller clubs. I know there were concerns for that, 
and like the overall pyramid in, in each domestic, you know, leagues. I'm forgetting the implications to be quite honest. Cause like, I do remember hearing some things where it's like, you know, the championship teams in England, for example, might've gotten fucked by it. The overall Premier League revenue may have gone down, but yes, the point does remain that the way fee- the, the way football is, whether it's FIFA or UEFA, not so good, not so good. And these players are paying the price. I mean, yes, they make lots of money, but, it doesn't justify them being exploited. Let's call it what it is. I'm sure a lot of them would pay, take a pay cut to not have to play as much as they do. Yeah, and it, it may be true. It may be true. Like if you were like, yeah, we got to shave off three million, but you get to play ten less games, they'd probably be like, that's fine. I'm cool. Yeah. Like, because a lot of them are. A lot of these guys aren't in it for the money, man. Like. A lot, like, not a lot of them are like killing Mbappe. Like, yeah. a, like, some of them are. Some, you know, I don't know if you ever saw, I don't know if I sent you that quote by Tevez when he was like, nah, like, when I started making money, bro, like, I was just about the money because I got about 60 people I take care of with my money. And I'm just like, it's actually fucking wild. Yeah. You know, it's really easy for you and I to sit here on our ivory fucking towers, you know, in our homes where we get, we eat all the time and we don't live in the slums of fucking Brazil, but, you know, it's really easy for us to sit here and not understand that. But like for a guy like Tony Cruz, you know, he would take less money to not play as much or he did. He stopped playing for Germany, which is less money. Yeah. You know, and Rafael Veron constantly bitches about playing too many games. And I'm sure these guys, like a lot of these guys are principled, unlike Jordan Henderson, who <laughs> bitches and bitches and bitches, and then does exactly what he was bitching about. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's another reason I love Spurs. None of our players went to Saudi. Um, <laughs> Romero back down. Son back down. Um, anyways, yeah. Laporte going really pushed, pissed me off. Why is that? He, him going and Gabby Gabby Vega going. Um, two Laporte two pissed me off because, Well, yeah. Laporte pissed me off because he had offers from Athletic Club and Real Sociedad to come back. Which are both two awesome historic clubs. Like you're not playing at City, and his reasoning was, I wanted to play with Cristiano. Like I'm sure, I'm sure that was the reasoning. Um, and Gabby Vega just, I don't know, bro. Like you're young, man. That that offer would probably be there in ten years, like twenty yeah. years. Like it's... maybe it won't be. I mean, but this is. How do you feel about the Saudi Pro League in general? Just. I mean, do you like it? Do you dislike it? Do you not have an opinion? Yeah, to me, we, it's it's a bad it's a bad sign. I think it is a bad sign. Um, we have talked about it before. It's like it's not necessarily it's not because it's happening in Saudi Arabia. It's just because it's happening anywhere where this money is bringing in, you know, bringing in some of the best players in the world and taking away from what makes even the if they sport- are past it. Huh? Even if they are past their prime. Yeah, yeah. Even if they are, but then you know you have someone like Gary Vega go, um, or like uh, you know Ruben Neves. Um, anyways, it's it's a really tricky situation. It really just goes to show that the money in the sport is ludicrous, and uh, 
you can't necessarily blame the players. You more so got to blame. I can't. I guess FIFA overall. Except you can't blame FIFA though. Because Why not? FIFA, this is all FIFA's doing, man. Think about it. They've been taking money for fucking years and years and years, and they took money to get Qatar the bid. They, they they knew that they could whitewash the sport. They allowed them to buy Man City. They allowed them to buy Newcastle. They allowed them to buy. Um, I'm trying to think of other oil clubs. Like you know, they they're yeah. allowing these countries to buy clubs. They could have put a stop to it at the beginning. They could yeah. have stopped this a long time ago. You know, they they in my opinion, this this should have all been stopped well, well, well before the oil money even came in. This should have been stopped when to me the beauty of football was just the fact that these clubs are fan owned. Yeah. Like that to me that is that is that is what makes it special. Now you have like five clubs that are fan owned and that's it. And it's really I mean, because then you get like let's just let's just use Man United. We're, we can use Spurs since we're talking about them. You know, you get Daniel Levy in there, and you know, the problem is is that yeah, if you're a fan, right? Let's say you're a fan, you get mm-hmm. voted, you you get voted, you're a club member, you get voted head, and you don't know jack shit about running a football club or finances and you think you're a fucking know-it-all and you don't hire anybody to help you aka I'm bully and you don't know what the fuck you're doing and then you sink the shit out of Spurs because you're buying and buying and buying and buying and you're like man the money will come back like billion dollar company like yeah and then COVID hits let's just say and then COVID hits and then you, you <laughs> just, your club's fucked like and so like I kind I see both sides but you yeah. know I mean, because Real Madrid were on the brink of bankruptcy a couple times. And then Florentino comes in and saves the day, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, but how do you feel about, like, just owners in general? I, I mean, I know how you feel about oil money, you know. Everyone yeah. feels about the same way, except for, except for usually people that live in those countries or Muslims because it's a Muslim area. And, you know, yeah, a lot of Muslims are very okay with it. And a lot of Muslims usually are like point the hypocrisy. They're like, "What about the fucking Premier League who does the same shit to every other league?" Which they do. Yeah. You know, you you snatch just for example, you snatch up Paul Torres, take him to Aston Villa. You snipe up you you snipe up Rodrigo from Valencia, yeah. and he goes to Leeds and just doesn't really play. Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh. That's why I said, you know, it's it's a big deal, not because it's happening in Saudi Arabia. It's just because it's happening at all. And it's the same with the owners. Like, it doesn't matter that Saudi Arabia pretty much owns Newcastle or that, what is it, Qatar pretty much owns PSG. It it could be yeah, anyone. Yeah. It, it was a big deal when uh, Abramovich bought Chelsea. That's That's actually the most, you know, justifiable one because you have a legitimate Russian oligarch buying a club but um, <laughs> you know but it doesn't matter you know huh? like at, le- yeah. at least at least he took care of that club man like yeah Chelsea is Chelsea because of him it, it, it would they would be a small club if it wasn't for him yeah no yeah like the it, opposite of the Glazers 
it doesn't mean that they can't do a good job either. Like I think Newcastle is doing a great job. Obviously, they are. City's done just fine. Um, PSG is really the only exception. But um, yeah, the the ownership is it's strange. You know, I mean, you know, a fan club, a fan owned club would obviously align with what I sort of value, but um, it's it does make you have massive respect for the Bundesliga and, you know, Bayern Munich's a, a shining, a shining example of, you know, you don't need oil money to be supremely writ or successful in this, in this modern age. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one to crack. And like you said, FIFA should have shut it down a long time ago, but it's just a lack of in- integrity. That's all it is. Yeah, and you mentioned the Bundesliga with their fifty-one forty-nine rule, but yeah. even they have they have problems over there too, man. Like, uh, I don't know if you saw that one time when the fans were like trying. The, it was specifically Bayern. I forget if they had like fly Emirates on the jersey or something, and they were fighting it. And uh, you know, Bayern is owned by Audi, um, Adidas, and someone else. So like those three clubs own most of this, the forty-nine percent fans are the 51 percent and they were having this board meeting and they were like yeah fly emirates is we don't want them as a sponsor anymore because of x y and z and audi adidas like yeah no bye close meeting just shut it down like we're done and they just it was like two seasons ago or maybe it was pre-covid i don't fucking know you know who knows with all these things now i want to say it was just after covid though and you know the we own the majority of the club and you just shut it down just like that so like even even if and they they did end up getting it removed but point being is that like even at 49 percent, these clubs don't really these owners don't really give a fuck about the 51 percent because they they are the financial providers at the end of the day not the 51 percent yeah it's tricky, man. Um, it is tricky. That's in. There's no perfect way of doing it. Unfortunately, I'm yeah. just, we're lucky. Like Real Madrid fans, like we're lucky. Like we have a Don and Florentino Perez, um, who is honestly like a lot of people. Like you'll listen to like Barcelona fans or people that live in Spain that aren't Real Madrid fans. Like he pays people off. Like he's a scumbag. You know, like he's a politician. He's this. He's that. And we're just all like. We don't really give a fuck because, you know, he takes care of the club. Like, you know, and they talk about how corrupt he is, X, Y, and Z. And we're just kind of like, whatever you say, like, and, you know, Florentino Perez is a, like, billionaire. (laughs) And he's made it, he's made it, he's made it essentially impossible for anyone to be club president unless they can put up, like, I think it's like 30% of the net worth of the club or something like that. So we're talking like three, hundred million dollars liquid cash like just in case and the reasoning for that is just in case the club goes into debt you can get the club out of debt with your own personal funds yeah um which is what he has done yeah but you know it makes it a little bit more difficult because he owns he owns the biggest construction company in spain that's that's why he's a that's why he's so rich um but you know but you literally just have to look like three hours away to Barcelona to another fan owned club 
and just look how much that club has been run into the fucking ground. It's true. They, like they made great signings. I mean, like for a club that spent like three point five million, their club, their their uh, their team looks pretty good. Let's be honest. Like on paper, I, I don't really think there's anything special because you know they're really stupid. Would, <laughs> yeah, let me ask you a question. Would Real yeah. Madrid? Buy Lewandowski for fifty million at his age when Barcelona did. Doesn't seem like it. No, no, they wouldn't. Yeah, that's a bad buy. Yeah, it's probably why we're pretty much out on Kane because of his age. Yeah, I, I saw. There's this uh, prominent writer for Managing Madrid, Matt Wilsey. He went back and did look at every transfer signing. I think Real Madrid have signed less than 10 players under the age of 30 in their in the whole existence. Well, what you mean over 30? Yeah, did I say under? I meant over. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Or All right. something, I was just making sure. Crazy like that. It might have been yeah. like after a certain year. It was, it, you know, let's just say it was after like 1980. But like, yeah. it's just not common. Um, and so. You know, you look at the way these two fan clubs are both run, and it's night and day difference between the two clubs. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Barcelona sold their soul to Spotify. Really, they really did. I mean, it's 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 sad for someone that. I mean, I I do favor Madrid. Yeah, I you do favor Madrid, but you know, the El Clasico. I want that to be the best game of the year every single year. Um, I mean that's that's the truth. I want I want to sit down and watch that and not move a muscle for ninety minutes. But now it's like, yeah, I'm gonna watch it, but not the way that it used to be. And you know, I know Barcelona beat you guys last season, but it's like, you know, they're not gonna do well in the Champions League. Yeah, um, I saw they had the easy group this year, so we'll see. But we'll see. Yeah, but is it really that? Like, I I saw this thread on Twitter and it was talking about like Barcelona's group and I'm looking at it I'm like Porto did get first in their group last year yeah. it was a tough group and uh, who's the other one is it like it's not Jack Tar is it Jack Tar I think it's it Jack is Tar. I mean they're not man like yeah it's not, it's not it's not as black and white as it would be if it was Real Madrid let's just put it that yeah. way or if let's it was Barcelona. Well, let's just say let's say Real Madrid was that was Real Madrid's group. You're like, oh, Real Madrid's getting first. Yeah. Or if it was Barcelona five years ago, which is the sad the sad case. Yeah, maybe even well, more than five years ago now. But well, and you have to think that having Messi uh, kind of covered a lot of their deficiencies across the board. Definitely. But also, Messi was Messi is the reason they're in this situation at the same time. Like you can't, you can't give you can't give a guy five hundred million dollars a year and just be like, "Hey, buddy, we're good financially." Like, "Hey, we hooked you up." Like, that yeah. cool. You know, it just doesn't work like that. You know, that would Real Madrid would never do that. Cristiano asked for a raise after making thirty mil, and Florentino was like, "No," and he's like, "All right, well, I'm going to Juventus," and he's just kind of like. Okay, yeah, that's the difference, man. That that's that's the difference. There is for Barcelona, there are players and 
people that are bigger than the club have Real Madrid that is non-existent for anybody. Yeah. And this is the problem that I have with Man United right now, is that they hold Marcus Rashford bigger than the club. They hold Eric Ten Hag bigger than the club. But Cristiano Ronaldo, who is the last Ballon d'Or winner in the Prem and the only United Ballon d'Or winner ever, I'm pretty sure, isn't isn't held in, you know, they're like, yeah. you, you. Like, yeah. for, a, for a coach that's essentially can't even man-manage a locker room properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is the one, for all the hate Levy gets, that is the one thing you got to respect. He is um, ruthless in some of the right ways. Um, you know, he was, I forget, but with Kane, this, his whole entire career, pretty much, he's always made sure not to overpay him. And yes, he's a club legend, but Kane it was not bigger than Spurs. I mean, as clearly nowadays, but that's the one thing to tie it all back. Um, that is the one thing that I can appreciate about Levy. And sometimes, like now, with Destiny Adogi or a Christian Romero, sometimes the business that he does do, you know, as football fans, it's hard to think long term, but some of it ends up being pretty good. You got to admit it. And uh, there is a levy cycle. So we'll see if, if I eat those words. But yeah, he's he's not too, too bad. No, he, it, it could be worse. Let's be honest. Like, honestly, I'd rather I'd rather my my owner act like levy and, you know, be like, nah, I'm not signing that guy. Instead of like United, where you pay a hundred million for Jaden Sancho and then, <laughs> yeah, just let him do whatever the fuck he wants, or you push De Gea out, who is last year's Golden Glove winner, or you know, for a keeper when you really didn't need a keeper right then and there, you just were trying to appease the coach, and you know, it makes me kind of think that. You know, a lot of people have spoken out. Like, a lot of people spoke out against the Glazers when they were at United. And Ten Hag hasn't. And it just kind of makes me think that maybe, sort of, they get along pretty well. And you know what I mean by that. Like, yeah. They're they're both helping push each other's agendas. You know, like, Ten Hag gets to keep his job despite terrible results. Bro, the fact that United got third last year, like, I I don't <laughs> understand it. Like, I, they're, they're not good. Yeah. They look it's, like uh, shit. They got, they got lucky with a Rashford hot streak and... Saved their season. Yeah. Um, and they got lucky that Liverpool wasn't good, Chelsea wasn't good, and Spurs weren't good. Think about that. I mean... That's true. They got into the UCL on a on an off year for the rest of those clubs. So, yeah, all they did was win the Carabao Cup, which is more than I can say as a Spurs fan. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough, and I do have a soft spot for United too. I've I've always sort of liked them. Old Trafford is Old Trafford is a really really historic stadium. But yeah, it's sad and. Uh, I'm glad that 
I don't feel their pain anymore, at least for right now. Oh, I pray on their downfall. I really <laughs> yeah. do. I just, I do not like... The way they talk about Fergie, the way they talk about the past, the way they talk about Ronaldo specifically and then treat him like shit. And I'm not even a Ronaldo fanboy or anything like that, but, like, we made Ronaldo. Like, shut up. Yeah. Like, shut up. Like, seriously, shut up. Like, you guys didn't make jack shit. Ronaldo made himself, first off. Let's let's keep that one clear. This guy is a work ethic animal who... Literally only stayed at your club an extra year because Fergie fucking got on his knees and begged him to stay. Yeah. Like, he he was like, I'm going to Real Madrid. And you guys kept trying to cock-lock his ass. And it just, like, I just can't. Their fans suck. And you know what? <laughs> honestly, honestly, I'm cool with United because they keep taking our deadweight players off our books and, you know, overpay for them. You oh, you pay seventy five mil for Casemiro and we buy two many for eighty. So who's really the fucking loser here? Yeah. <laughs> no, I can I can agree. Um, <laughs> we um. Do you have any friends that are Man United fans or no? I do not actually. Yeah, you're least, a lucky one. I do have one, but he's not. We don't talk he's not too like often. Over the, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh. It's tricky. I mean, they they constantly overpay. They have to have the worst negotiation team ever. Ever. So bad. So bad. Ever. It's like they get quoted like 60 and they're like 70. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even like a back and forth. They're like, yeah, we'll give you 70 for them. Where <laughs> the clubs like kind of like, they look at each other like, 70? Like, yeah. And they're like, okay. Like, there you go. We'll take that money any day of the week. Yeah. You know, I, honestly, Casemiro was well worth its price. I remember when we sold Veron to them, and we only sold Veron for like forty. We're talking post COVID. Um, he had one year left on his deal, forty for one year left. But man, yeah. that man can't stay healthy. So I'm, we're sitting here like, ah, he can't stay healthy. Like, think about it. We. We won a UCL after we cleaned out our back line. Like, Marcelo, gone. Ramos, gone. Veron, gone. You're like, David Alba, sure. Edin Millie Tal, fourth, can we set the center back? You're the starter now. Let's go. You're in. Like, it's just crazy. It's just craziness. Like, it is pretty crazy. Yeah. No, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of envy on my side for the, for the Real Madrid fans, but, um, I do do a Real Madrid save every uh, every football manager, so I get every to take a little. You get to have bit. a little fun. Yeah, it's because it's because you just want to use Kamavinga. That's all. It is. It is. I love him to death. And you know, back to the Veron point. Just something else I'm going to say is that a lot of people are saying that he. This is actually like they know it's Real Madrid, but this is a step up for him. This is a this is a good move for him. It's a he's he's going into a better situation. And and I actually had a United fan text me and tell me that, and I was like, "Look, let's just see at the end of the year." Yeah. And who are the UCL champions? That's all I gotta say. And, and, you know, <laughs> it's like that—that's the shit. It's just common. It's it's United is literally I, I United makes me think that I'm in a simulation because yeah. there's no way a club can consistently make the wrong decisions 
and still function. No, I mean, at the end of the day, like, when you think about club football, the peak is Real Madrid, Barcelona, like... Bayern. And Bayern. Bayern. Yeah. But, um, you know, my girlfriend went to school in Mexico for a while. And, and her school, granted, it is a speak, Spanish-speaking country, but in her school, you were either a Barcelona fan or a Real Madrid fan. And this is in Mexico City. So it it's pretty crazy to think... And yeah, I do know it's Spanish speaking. It's it's important to keep in mind, but it's crazy to think that someone could be so delusional to say that United's a step up from Madrid, whereas Varane probably thought, yeah, I'll get to play in the Prem for a little bit and make a fat paycheck. I mean, yeah, the pay raise was was the dude won a World Cup, man. He was chilling, like he didn't give a fuck. Like he's he had like four UCLs to his name a couple ligas and was like yeah i mean even in spain the crazy thing about it is is like even in spain like even if you're a valencia fan you still like it's either madrid or barca like there's like they're they're not like it's not like a front runner thing you know what i mean like you just like multiple clubs yeah like it's kind of just normal yeah so like it's probably this and i know in south america and you know like you said mexico it's just very similar it's just like you know either like boca juniors you like river plate like you like just one or the other and it's just it's just it's just the way it is there's certain clubs that kind of have that vibe yeah well i did have one question for you actually okay that's fair and it's about it's about Endrick. We've talked okay. about him a little bit before, but yeah. uh, do you do you see him as a long term striker solution, or is it Holland? For me, at Real Madrid, you always have to bring in the best. Um, yeah. I, do I like Endrick? Yes, I do like Endrick a lot. I like the, I like you, dude. His legs are fucking. He looks like a fucking horse, bro. Yeah. Like his legs are massive. He's left-footed. He can play on the right wing. He can play on the left wing. He can play through the middle, so he's kind of versatile. Um, he's someone that I think the club is just doing, just did their due diligence on and thought that he was good enough to take a flyer on. Um, that's actually why I kind of thought the club should have been on Harry Kane. I think the time timetables kind of match up with Harry Kane and Endrick, but you you know you never know what you're gonna get. Um, you know, we obviously hit home runs with Vinicius around in Rodrigo, uh, but Rainier Jesus, a lot less yeah. known one, who is, according to many in Brazil, the best of the bunch. Yeah, the best of those three, he was the best, and it wasn't even close. Vinicius <laughs> was the worst, and I always said, I always said that's crazy to me that they really see Vinicius and think he's the worst of that three. Yeah. I mean, I always saw him, and I thought he was the best of the three. Um, and I still, and this isn't me saying that I think Rainier Jesus is going to have a bad career. It was very unfortunate that Vinicius was so good. It was very unfortunate that Rodrigo was so good, and him being a year younger than the, or two years younger than Vinny, and a year younger than Rodrigo. This makes it really difficult to break into the team. Um, so I think Endrick's timeline is much better. Uh, yeah. than Rainier Jesus was ever going to be. And I do think him 
being in Madrid will be good for him. Um, I don't think he should go right into the first team. I think he should train with the first team. I think he should be with the first team. I don't think we should give him a first team number. I think he should play with Castilla for um, just to get touches, dude, because there's no point. There's no fucking point in just riding the bench all year. Yeah. And if you bring in a Holland, you already have an Artigular. You already have Holland. You already have Raheem Diaz, which, you know, I said this uh, to my buddy that, you know, Brahim Diaz and Jose Lu, a lot of their, a lot of their Real Madrid, this is a make or break season for the both of them. And if they don't do what they need to do this season, they won't be Real Madrid players in next or two years. When Artigular actually turns it around and like, you know, not turns it around, but you know, turns around for the injury and competes and is as good as the hype, I find it hard to believe that you pick a Brahim Diaz over Artigular to be the backup right winger to Rodrigo. I do think the club will make a move for a striker this upcoming summer, whether it be the Turtle or Holland. Um <laughs> I obviously I've made it quite clear to everybody that knows me that I do not want Mbappe. Yeah. But I that decision is not mine to be hand. It is out of my hands. It is, you know. Would I be happy to have such a good player in my squad? Obviously anybody would be happy to have arguably the best player in the world in their squad. And you're now putting him with a Vinicius, who is another one of the best players in the world, um, in a front line together. But you know, you also already have a dude Bellingham, another one of the best players in the world, right behind them in midfield, and you kind of have to make a decision. I think, um, and I do think talking to Jude could be an important factor in all of this. Um, you know, use Jude's connection to Holland to see if it's a good fit overall. Um, you know, ask Jude what he thinks of Erling. Ask Jude about, you know, what he likes about Erling. Who would you prefer to play with Jude? Who, you know, who do you think is a better fit with Vinicius and Rodrigo since you spent three whole seasons or two whole seasons with Erling Holland? Yeah. And I think that's kind of the more, I think it's less about Endrick and more about the other players that are here right now and what kind of impressions they make. That's always what this club's about. Vinny just got lucky, man. At the end of the day, Vinny got lucky. Cristiano was gone. We were a thinking ship. We needed a bright light. And Vinicius was that guy. I mean, when when he came up at 18 and he was fucking dribbling through six guys against Ajax, and you know, in Amsterdam, you're just like, holy! And you know, he did it at 18 on a world stage, and you're just like, and then he does it three days later in Classico, and you're like, what the fuck? And yeah. you know, so it just kind of depends. And because Vinny did that, Rodrigo got to benefit from that immensely. But on Rodrigo's first start in the Champions League, for the hat trick, so yeah. like you know, I'm not saying that like, oh, he's only there because of Vinny, but. He did it too, and unfortunately for Ringier Jesus, he never even got that opportunity. 
yeah. got fucked at Dortmund on loan. Um, and then at Girona last year, he was really injured. And now he's going off to Serie A. <laughs> and Real Madrid, at the end of the day, could probably just sell him and, you know, hope that he can turn his career around. But he's going to end up at, like, Flamingo in Brazil in two years if he doesn't get his career around. And, you know, Endrick is... lucky enough that he is going to have proper guidance with Vinny and Rodrigo in the squad, and I do think he is going to be given the benefit of the doubt in this circumstance. I think that the club's not going to make the mistake of sending him on loan, like they did with Rainier Jesus, um, and the mistake of sending him on loan like they did with Martin Odegaard. Uh, Martin Odegaard sending him on loan was fine, and then halfway through the season, he stayed, and then went in January to Arsenal, and it was over after that. He never wanted to be at the club again, and it just wasn't. It clearly wasn't a fit. He did not get along with Zinedine Zidane um, at all, and so like finding that right fit is so important. And yeah. you know, whoever the club brings in as next manager is going to determine this um, whole idea, and probably is going to have a big say on, you know whether Jose Luz stays and I think I think Jose Luz probably the one that gets screwed the most but he's looked really good to start the season and you know are you really gonna not buy a guy that you can buy and is okay being with a backup okay being a backup striker at his age that you can trust against La Liga teams and are you really gonna send that guy away for a 18 year old kid that you really don't know if he's gonna make it in Europe yeah, probably so, not. I, there's it, probably not, right? So there's a lot of factors. So I don't really have much of an opinion on it. Thank God it's not mine to figure out. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be Chabi Alonso's job to figure out. Um, <laughs> I think that he's going to be the. I I really wholeheartedly believe he's the guy that they've been eyeing up. And I think Nagalsman knows that, and I think that's why Nagalsman is going to take over for the German national team. Yeah. I could see that happening for sure. It's, uh, Hendrick is like, from what I remember, I'm pretty sure he's the most hyped up out of these recent Brazilian, this like recent Brazilian crop, so to speak. He's supposed to be, I mean, Rainier, Jesus, if you say he was the best one, I, who else would it have been? Would it have been Gabriel Jesus as like the next best Brazilian youngster? They were saying, um, so, I mean, obviously, Neymar takes the cake. Right, right. But um, since then. So, post-Neymar, it was Rodrigo, but then Rainier Jesus came along, and then Vinny was the third of the bunch. Um, I don't really know where Gabriel Jesus kind of, because he, he's a little bit older than them, so, like, he wasn't yeah. being compared. Um, but of those guys, you know, that all European clubs are in on. Like, you know, Dortmund were so heavily in on him, and then they're the ones, and that's why we sent him there on loan, and then they were like, nah, we're good. We don't like this guy anymore. And, like, so I I think Endrick is, I think part of the reason that Endrick is so hyped, though, is because of guys like Vinny and Rodrigo. Yeah. Makes sense. But he's not playing. Like, he's really, he's not playing right now. Is like, that because... He hasn't, is that because he's going to Madrid? I don't know what it's because. No, I, I don't believe so. I think it's just... 
he's just, he's just like he's like a 16 17 year old kid man it's just uh yeah <laughs> I, I don't i'm gonna look at his minutes right now um i'll find it i he hasn't been playing that much though no based on what i've been seeing on twitter um interesting Matches. So I mean, he, yeah, I don't even know. I don't really understand Sofa score that well. Like, <laughs> or... I, like you said, at the end of the day, you took a chance on him, and if he doesn't pay off, you won't. It won't be that much of a, a net loss. And no. like Crystal Palace could buy him for fifteen million, or Chelsea could buy him for forty. Still, like. Yeah. You have a a Brazilian attacker from Madrid. He's gonna keep his price tag. Um, it's like a it's like a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And <laughs> so it looks like he's coming off the bench most games. Yeah. Um, yeah. He hasn't start like he played. Uh, he played the last two games, but didn't start on the bench for the two games before that. Um. Yeah, it, like I looked at the last five games and he hasn't started. I'm yeah. guessing he's just young, and he's playing for a Palmeiras team that is actually good and fighting for trophies. And I just think they're preferring to go for a more uh, well-rounded or more advanced. Yeah, dude, they're in second place right now. Yeah. So. And they're, the teams behind them are close. Gremio is uh, two points back with one game in hand. Flamengo is two points back. Fluminense is three points back. But the team in first is ten points ahead. So. Oh, geez. Yeah, they got a... Uh... But, you know, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on injury. I'm, you know... I don't tune in to Brazilian Serie A, so I don't see him. I only see highlights and I see the pure raw talent there. Um and I think that's what you're that's that is what you're buying. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um you know, especially when you look at you paid forty five for Vinny, but he's he's worth like one eighty now. Like yeah. even if Vinny was upset, like let's just say Vinny's upset. Your price tag that you paid for Vinny, Rodrigo, Rainier, Jesus and Endrick, you just re- got that all back by selling one of them. Yeah. So, you know, and you want a Champions League with them. And, you know, I just think that's kind of the the idea of that. And for whatever really reason, Brazilians seem to love Real Madrid and Barcelona. Yeah. Don't know why. They just do. It's because it's the peak of soccer or football. That's for <laughs> Yeah. Have you, have you read Marcelo's uh, Players' Tribune? I'm not. You should. It's 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 pretty enlightening, and it's pretty like it was. I think it was right after Ronaldo left, and we had the shitty season. And yeah. He had wrote. He had written a player's tribune, and it was just like he was like, man, like we talk, we dreamed about Champions League nights, and I'm here, and it's just kind of like very mind opening, and yeah. I'll send you the article when I'm okay. when we get off this call when we're done. Um. Any Spurs or other talking points you would like to speak on? Um, let me see. I think the thing to keep in mind about Spurs is that 
we need to replace Kane's goal scoring. That is the most important part about losing him, quite obviously. And Mm -hmm. it's too early on to the season to know if we have. We've scored a bunch of goals, but we're against weaker opponents. And the one strong opponent that we played is United, who's in, you know, they're in trouble. So it could end up being a long season. But that being said, like, if I were to make a closing remark, so to speak, Ainge Postacoglu is is our guy for the foreseeable future. And, you know, if I was talking to Daniel Levy, I'd say, please don't pull the trigger on this guy. Like, he's got the club and a unified state. The fans are singing his name already. And, you know, we're happy about Madison. Everything is going well. If we have a few bad results, you know, we can't we can't get too upset. It's it's still so early on, and this success is sort of creating this illusion that we're already here to compete. When, like you said, the rebuild is still on, and that's that's sort of the takeaway that I had from the transfer window. Like I wanted a center back, I wanted Tapsoba, and we didn't get him, but. Oh, well, I wanted one more center back, I should say, because we did get Van de Ven. But, you know, we, uh, if you look at it and in terms of like a two, three year rebuild, we're looking good. So it's, it's patience at the end of the day. And I think and we'll you guys look- are in the same position as us, really, in that sense of like, you guys lose Kane, we lose Benzema, and like the results are really good right now, but like it could go sour really fast. Yeah. And, you know, all it takes is, you know, because Kane, like Benzema, like Ronaldo, like Lewandowski is, you know, that type of player that, you know, you can play, your team can play like shit all game, but they get one chance for Mbappe. This is literally France in the World Cup. Like, France is playing like the whole game. Mbappe creates one chance, or gets a penalty in the whole game. He's renowned with confidence now. And the whole game shifts. The whole feel of the game shifts. And Kane was that kind of player. Benzema was that kind of player. Cristiano was that kind of player. Lewandowski is that kind of player. Or maybe he was. He's having a really brutal time at Barca right now. Um, And that's kind of what you guys and us are in the same boat with. It's like, it's nice right now. Dude Dude is scoring goals. Yeah. But dude is not a goal scorer. Exactly. And you guys are getting gold galore yeah. right now. How many goals have you guys scored this year? We scored 11 Probably so like, far. I was going to say 16. I don't know why I felt like it was <laughs> so high. But yeah. I knew it wasn't. That's why I just kept my mouth shut. I was like, there's no way they scored four goals a game. Yeah. Um, but from four games, that's, that's a good turnaround. It's almost three goals a game. But yeah. that's going to dry up eventually. And you know it. I know it. Everybody knows it, except for people that are just too blinded by the greatness that you're witnessing. You just, you know, but it could, you could go a whole season with it. You yeah, know, you don't know when it's going to end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is, is like, this is what Pastacago has done. He's given us such a hope, which you haven't felt in, in so long being a Spurs fan. Like, on campus today, there is a a person stopped me because I was wearing the jersey, and 
they're from South Korea and we got to talk and it's like he's obviously he's a Spurs fan because of son yeah, but nonetheless son, like, yeah still a he's, Spurs fan for life probably because of son yeah which is a whole other thing awesome. which is why son's awesome as captain but um you know there's there's just a rejuvenation at the club and people are proud to be Spurs fans again yeah and we didn't even get Not that, that under content proud. You know, yeah. not that you weren't proud before, but you know, you weren't running to the hills about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, Conte comes in and finishes top four in the first season, but we didn't feel we didn't feel the way we do now. At I least, all right. Yeah, it's like we we scraped by, and this is how United fans felt under Jose, which is crazy to me. Yeah, it, it, we we got there by playing the way that. It's not the Spurs way, and it just—it's it, not, it, it, not inspiring football. It's—it's it's it's like it, and like at the end of the day, a lot of people only care about results. But I, cause I have this conversation with my one buddy from Africa all the time. I because he's always like, "You're always hitting on Zidane," and I'm like, "Man, I love Zidane, but in his second tenure, I did not enjoy. Like, I didn't look." forward to Real Madrid games. Exactly. And like, but like now, like, man, I'm like, man, like, I can't wait to watch Jude play or like last year, like, I can't wait to watch Vinny Cook or like, even the year before that, I can't wait to watch Vinny Cook, like, yeah. the year before that. Like, you know, like, Vinny brings that, right? Like, that, like, fucking electricity that, you know, Jude brings that. He's bringing the hype and like, right now, I, I see Spurs are playing and they're, let's say they're, they're playing a good opponent and I'm like, I'm that game on. Like, I, I want to yeah. watch that. Like, I, I really, I'm, I was, so, I watched one Spurs game and I was sold on it. Like, it, <laughs> it, it, I was sold. And it's, it's so I, I don't know if I'll be sold in two years because like, it can change, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was sold on Ten Hag when he was with Ajax. I'm, I'm way out on Ten Hag now. I'm, I, I'm, I am probably the most anti-Ten Hag person there is. <laughs> yeah. He's just not a good, he's not, he's a terrible man manager. He, his tactics are nothing. Mm-hmm. And like, they don't do anything. Um, so like, things think. can change. You gotta think with that, with that IX squad, he had, you know, he had DeLitt and DeYoung and all those guys where it was, he might have gotten carried promised. to some of those results. Well, not only that, you know, there's a certain Ajax way you have to play that's kind of bred throughout the club. Yeah, and like, of course. If that's not a thing at United, and now he looks kind of like practically inept in a lot of ways, and I, I don't mean to, you know, get on United. It's just they're very prominent right now. There, there are a lot of talk right now because they're a team that gets top four, you know, big results. But then they get knocked out by Sevilla, and you know they, they've looked really bad to start the year. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of you know, not only in game, but also in the media. You know, it's like United have been a big talk, and I don't mean to keep picking on them, but they're just very prominent with you know Greenwood and Anthony, and yeah, their result. I mean, they got fucking obliterated by Arsenal. Like, yeah, you know, Arsenal did not look good. Like, no, Ar- uh, they did not look good at all. Yeah, I mean, it's worth keeping in mind United when you talk about Spurs because we've been in the same boat for so long and now we're on two different paths. 
and you you see the game they play against us and they had they had chances but what got us over the the edge in the end was our our manager was better he made the right adjustments in the, in the end and yeah ten hog should probably go um well and something i do want to say about Ange is because of his track record um you know, and I think he fits really well with Daniel Levy, and I, I don't think he'll be gone anytime soon because of that. Because I don't think Ange is going to be like, I want Piazza and only Piazza. Like, go get me Piazza from Juventus. Like, yeah. that's who I want. I don't care what you say. Um, I think Ange is going to be willing to work with, you know, and this is this is something I wanted to bring up earlier, but it just kept we kept just switching topics and switching topics. Yeah. And, I, and I wanted to talk about this is a lot of premier clubs don't drop in the right markets and it hurts them long-term premier yeah. clubs should not be shopping from, you know, other premier clubs, premier clubs should not be shopping from La Liga clubs, premier clubs should not be shopping from, no, really that's probably it. They probably, they probably shouldn't be shopping from Syria much either. Um, they should be shopping in the Belgium league. They should be, you know, who, who, who could be shopping, who could be shopping from the premier league in La Liga city, Liverpool. I, I really think that's about it. You know, just like Real Madrid and Barcelona should be shopping from city, Liverpool, Chelsea. You you need to take off the you need to go get the good players from the second tier clubs. But the second tier clubs, what they do is they try to take players from the third tier clubs, and that's not what you do. Yeah, you take players from the first tier clubs in smaller leagues. You go look at the Bundesliga, and you don't take from Bayern or Dortmund. You take from Leverkusen, or you take from Wolfsburg, like City did with Kevin De Bruyne. Or like Real Madrid did with Mesut Ozil. You know, you go to those smaller markets and you're like, that's kind of my problem with the Premier League right now. And this isn't a shot at, you know, signing Brennan Johnson or James Madison. But you can find that player for much cheaper in a smaller league with maybe a higher ceiling. And to me, that's kind of, and I want to tie this back to Anne. And isn't going to have a problem doing that. He will go do that. Um, you know, I, I think, actually, I think someone that would actually fit would be like a Balogun, you know? I know he went to Monaco, but, yeah. you know, I, not, you know, I know that's sniping from Premier League club, but he wasn't really a Premier League player. He was a French player. Yeah. Um, and even Arsenal don't do a good job of this either, and they should because it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But, like, you know, go to, you know, why did why did fucking Paul Torres go to Aston Villa from Villarreal? He would have been a fantastic signing for Spurs. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, the window shopping, just my point is that, like, and isn't going to be window shopping. And is going to go in the store and find the shit that he actually wants and likes. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be the Gucci or the Prada or the Balenciaga. You know, yeah. it might be the Tommy Hill figure. And 
he's gonna make that Tommy Hill look no matter even though it cost him seventy dollars less than the Gucci. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I do. And that's that is one of his strong suits that he is well known for is picking from smaller leagues. Like his his recruitment strategy when he's at Celtic, he brings in a lot of players from Japan and uh he's successful with them. Like yeah, we've signed we signed some uh, Premier League players, but we also did sign Van de Ven from Wolfsburg. Like, like you mentioned, say that. Yeah, yeah. and, and you uh, in Absoda, yeah, Leverkusen. And then we bring in Vicario from Empoli, I want to say, and yes. um, you know, it makes sense to bring in a goalie from from the Serie. A. Um, so yeah, we're seeing some smart signings and. Um, I think we today we brought in uh this guy named Vuskovic, who's a 16 year old center back uh, from Croatia, and uh, I think you're gonna see a lot of things like that, where you're gonna see some players you've never even heard of, and then hopefully they turn out to be stars. Um, which makes Levy happy, like you said. They don't because... even have to be stars, though. That's the thing is, they just have to be good. Yeah, and you know. Window shopping in Croatia and grabbing Luka Modric from Dinamo Zagreb is like probably some of the best business done in Spurs history. Like those are the moves that Spurs should be making. And if Spurs make those moves, like they'll actually be, they'll be fighting where they should be. It's why Brighton hits way above their weight. Because that's what Brighton does. And yeah. I'm not and Tottenham is above Brighton, so you can Brighton isn't gonna window shop at Leverkusen, right? Mm-hmm. Like Tottenham, you know, they could go get a Florian Wurz. And to me that would be worth the price tag for them. But the point being is that like, you know, this is why United suck. Yeah. They window shop at Real Madrid when Real Madrid's pushing these guys out the door. Yeah, you you don't want to get the guys being pushed out the door. You want to get the guys that they want to keep as long as possible. But you know that they they're they're a club that could use Premier League money. Let's just put it that way. It doesn't need right. to be like an astronomical fee, but you know, going and grabbing uh, the keeper got it. I don't know why I just lost his name from Empoli is like the moment I saw that and I saw the price tag, I'm like, that's great business. Even if yeah. it fails, it's great business because you only spent like 13 mil. Like, and then I, if you go look at how he did in the, in Serie A, you're like, oh man, he's solid. Like, and guess what? If you can make that better, I'd rather have him than fucking Nick Pope or Dean Henderson or fucking, um, not McCominy, like you know, any Premier League player that you know, like United trying to push Scott McCominy out the window for thirty mil, like God damn, you yeah. guys really that fucking like desperate to get yeah. rid of players, like. And that's why West Ham has been good lately too, is because they've done a good job of not window shopping, but buying smart and buying for cheap. Yeah, the Pasakalu definitely brings that to the table. Like, instead of spending forty million on 
David Ram. Onana. Or or Onana, yeah. We we saved twenty five million, give or take. And David Ray hasn't looked good at Arsenal. I don't even know if he's played, but like that. He has backing up. It doesn't even yeah. make any sense. That goes better than Ramsdale. Like, yeah. <laughs> that that just goes to show that we made the right move already. And we can say that early on in the season. Um, and instead of spending, you know, we were, we were in the race for Guardiola for a time. City obviously yeah. ended up flexing their financial power, but like instead of spending, you know, had it been 80 million, we save 40 million on Vandeven and yeah, it's been great. Um, and it's looked wonderful. And you know yeah. what? Even if you do move him, guess what? You're in the plus, you know? Like, let's just say, you know, United come window shopping again and pick him up for fucking 90 mil or even 50 mil. You're like, cool. Thank yeah. you. And then you just go do it again. Exactly. And, you know, that's something where, like, a club like Sevilla, this is where they went wrong, is they started window shopping in the wrong places and they were a club that was you know they brought in certain players and the moment they got an offer for them they let them go and they started hoarding players and it just didn't work out with them because then they they made a bad buy and they spent too much money they made another bad buy and they spent too much money they made another bad buy and spent too much money and you know it's just making sure that you're shopping in the right places is so crucial for the survival of your club you know, and it's real easy when you're Man United and, you know, you have this wonderful stadium that people all around the world want to come to see. And, you know, you have a, one of the biggest fan bases. But not every club has that. And Spurs can still compete with United pound mm-hmm. for pound despite spending millions billions less pounds than yeah. United, so to speak. Like I like you know, and Prem fans are always like, Oh, Brighton are so good and Brentford are so good and look at them. They're they just do it so well and there's so many hard games in the Premier League. And it's just like, no, you guys just aren't good. Yeah. Like I, I hate to say you're just not good. You're not good enough. It's not a hard is that a hard game for Manchester City? Oh, it's Normally not. not. Then no. <laughs> then it, it it's not. Then no. You're just not good enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that that kind of. And I'm not saying that Tottenham need to become Man City, because that's a tough thing to do. But in the near future, I think if they keep on this route, you know, we might see a Conference League, or we might see a Europa League, or we might see a deep Champions League run. And guess what? I'm going to be sitting here on this podcast not surprised at all yeah. i completely agree i really wish they were in conference league this year i really do because i i yeah. would i would put money on them to win right now <laughs> yeah whereas again conte we uh we don't make it at the groups we did end up forfeiting but he his ego is too big um anyways well and you know we also don't know what kind of pressure Daniel Levy puts on him to maybe get out of that competition. You know, like, hey, the money's not worth it. Get out. You know, and maybe that's why 
he rotated heavy in Karabakh Cup. You know, like yeah. we don't know what was said to him behind closed doors, unfortunately. Like, yeah. And the thing is, is like, was that team probably good enough to beat Fulham? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And this is like the tale as old as time for like Real Madrid. It's like we play all of our backups, and then we get to like the quarterfinals, and we're like. Well, now it's time for starters to play, and then we should have just kept playing the backups because the backups were still good enough, and our starters just get whooped because, like, Athletic Club are like, nah, we want to win this competition because yeah. it's a big deal to them when it's not really a big deal to our players. And you need to make it a big deal to the players that are on the pit. You know, like, Tony Cruz doesn't care about the Copa del Rey. Yeah. You know, he just doesn't. Yeah, but Danny Ceballos might because you know he might see he might be like you look I'm you know like last year he could have been like look this could be my last year at Madrid like I don't know if they're going to offer me a new contract like I want to win another trophy here before I leave because if I go back to Real Betis like I don't know if I'm ever going to get this chance again to win a trophy you know yeah. so that's something that I think Spurs need to think about make decisions on and do and again it's not a knock on spurs there's nothing wrong with that but there is a hierarchy to clubs you know and understanding your hierarchy is so important yeah because yeah. you can be like man united and not understand your hierarchy at all you <laughs> think you're as good as manchester city and you belong on that level but you're not even close right yeah it is it is very important to keep in mind. Like, if we were to win the league, it would be for either Pep left City or you know they had four massive injuries. You know, no. something along yeah, something along Holland those lines. Holland and Kevin De Bruyne both go down, and then Julian Alvarez is just actually like a ghost of himself. Yeah, see exactly. Which you have to have so many things happen, which is why Leicester won the league. But um. Yeah, no, if, like, say Pasacaglu wins the FA Cup, wins Europa League by the time he leaves, he'll be way better than Pochettino, and I could easily see that happening. I really could. He could win the FA Cup this year. I would love to see that. I would be so hyped for that, honestly. Yeah, it would be I amazing. Would be so on board. Sign me up. I've been waiting for Tottenham to win a trophy for, like, my entire life as a fan just because I they just deserve it man they really do like I'm not so sure Kane deserved it but Spurs deserved it and it would yeah. be the most ironic thing on earth if Kane leaves and let's just say Byron goes trophy list because they look like kind of shit in the Bundesliga and <laughs> I know. not want a trophy yeah it would be crazy but... he sold your soul for trophies and Kane's just a curse yeah, it's the definition of a curse, which would be crazy if that happened. I, I would be all for it. I would be too at this point, as much as I love him. Do you miss Kane, or are you okay? I, I, right now, I'm fine. If okay. you know, by the end of the season, I could be missing him so badly. It's it's a little too early, but right now, like the first time, the first thing I wrote down was no Kane, no problem. But that's just that's just for right now. That is for right now. Like I said, we're we're in the same boat. And you know, something I will say is that like I've always been I've always been okay with pushing players out the door. Like I've always been yeah. okay with it. 
it, it you play different. It's something new. You know, it's kind of boring watching the same shit over and over again. And new shiny toys are kind of nice. You know, like yeah. Even if Kane is the best toy on planet Earth, it still gets boring after a little while. Yeah, definitely. And now, like, now Madison takes his number and he's putting every every sort of ounce of respect and magic to the number. And uh, yeah, I I would rather have this Spurs team play the way it does for the full season than have Kane at the club. So that might answer the question, honestly. Yeah, like, I wasn't just to, like, tie this into, like, Real Madrid stuff. Like, when Benzema left, even though we didn't have a nine, I, I didn't really care that much. I was just kind of like, we move on. I witnessed the season without Cristiano. I I can go a season without Benz. Like, it was fun. Yeah. Like, I, I watched that guy play for so fucking long, man. My yeah. entire fandom he bid the club. So... It was definitely a change, and it's weird not having anyone wearing the number nine, um, which, based on La Liga rules, is very even weirder. Because uh, yeah. in La Liga, numbers one through twenty-five, those numbers have to be worn if you have twenty-five first-team players. But let's say you have twenty-four first-team players, nine can be left open. It yeah. is the first time in Real Madrid's history that the nine has not been worn. Wow. Yeah. A hundred and twenty-one years. Wow. Nineteen oh two. That's pretty crazy. That is really mean. When you really think about, it, that's really crazy. Um. Any other talking points? We've been going on for a long time. Not that I yeah. hate it, but I don't <laughs> mind it at all, actually. But yeah, I. As far as Spurs goes, that's all I have left to say. Like, um. We're in a great spot. I like we, it. I like the way it looks. I like the yeah. look. I, I like the feel. I like the look. I like the team. I just... I like the left back. I like Moro. Mm-hmm. I like the midfield. I, I, I'm becoming a Spurs fan again. Like... <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm like... Not that like I'm a fan. Like, there's really... There's one club I support. It's Real Madrid. There's a second club I support. But if they're playing Real Madrid, I'm like, go to hell. Athletic club. Then beyond that, it's just kind of like, who is playing for a certain team? Like, I'm a Leverkusen fan right now because of Gabi Alonso. Um, Yeah. I I like Brighton. I like Brentford because they use advanced metrics and advanced analytics to sign their players. Right now, I'm going to be tuning into a lot of Spurs games, and I haven't tuned into Spurs games since Pochettino. Yeah. It's it's such a positive atmosphere. It's hard to it's hard to dislike them right now. I think I think it's sort of like the way Arsenal was last season. You know, you view yeah. a, you view a lot of English media, and pretty much everyone was happy for Arsenal and enjoyed watching Arsenal, unless you were a Spurs fan. And uh, now it's now it's us. So it's it's amazing to see, and it feels like we're on the light side instead of the dark side now. It's it's great. And it's a different vibe than, you know, it's nice going from Mourinho, Conte, whoever the fuck replaced Conte. I don't even remember his name. It's not even worth mentioning to Ange. Just like, it kind of 
kind of makes the bad years worthwhile. Yeah. Because it's so sweet at the end. Yeah, definitely. You know, we stopped. And like, no, go. Sorry. You're fine. I was just saying, we like, we stopped trying to sign serial winners. Like, that was Levy's, that was Levy's goal for obviously Mourinho and Conte. He wanted to bring in a trophy. It just didn't work with the squad. You know, you think about it, we have a very similar squad to the first day Mourinho stepped into Spurs, which was a long time ago now. And it just didn't work with those guys. We needed someone like Pochettino, and we've got him. And I think Pastacoglu is a better tactician than Pochettino, and I think he's he's more of a character. He's more. I was going to say he's he's good, man. He's funny. He's great with the media. Like, yeah, he he jokes around with them. He's he's funny. He's he's yeah. actually like down to earth. He yeah. just seems happy to be there, and like. I don't think Ponte was happy to be there. No. I don't think Mourinho was happy to be there because Mm-mm. Mourinho just wants complete control and he was never going to be given that under Daniel Levy. No. And so does Conte. Conte. Both of them want complete control, which is why they, neither of them were happy. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know why Levy signed them, knowing who they were, but I, hey, man, it makes it sweeter at the end of the tunnel. It really does, and the moment you guys won a trophy, I could not be happier for you or Spurs fans worldwide because it's going to happen and it's going to happen soon. I would, I would bet money on it, and it's going to be under Ange. I, I really believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah, man, me too. He's that guy. Yeah, the vibe is too guy. good. If 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 he doesn't win a trophy, I will genuinely be dumbfounded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be. It will be the Spurs, the Spurs thing to do, though. But yeah, it's maybe that's it's, a hot take. I don't know. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't know. That I don't think. I think it'll be crazy that Spurs don't win a trophy. I mean, you think like you think you give him two years and he doesn't pull off a Carabao Cup. It's hard not to think that he he couldn't do it with the way that we've been playing. It's just, and it feels crazy. You know, I feel like a broken record, but like we're so early on. But the change is just so drastic, man. It really is. It's it's hard not to buy into, and that's what playing you want. a conference league in Europa League would do wonders for this squad. Yeah, it would just it would be so like I know top four is the goal, but like actually for this squad, like it would be better to not get top four. Like I personally yeah. believe that. I, I, I really could... do because I think that. Instilling a winning mentality is so much more important than playing Champions League football. You see this. You see this problem with like again. I hate to bring up Manchester United, but you know, like they didn't give a fuck that they won Europa League. Like, and that shit made me sick. Like, because I think Europa League is such a cool, important competition. Like, it's not all about the Champions League, man. Like, yeah. it's not. And like the Conference League is such a cool concept where you get like a club rouge who was playing UCL football like literally last season, bro, they're going to wipe the conference league because they're just too good. And it's going to be wonderful to see a Belgium team bring home European superware. This is superware. God. Silverware. Yeah. And not that they're going to win. Like, I'm not saying like put money on club rouge, but like they honestly, like looking at them, they have a really good shot at literally going deep in the conference league. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, 
if with this squad, we could easily win the Europa League. And like you said, it would be good for them, uh, for a lot of these guys. We have such a young team. And that's what you hope. You hope Pasakaglu can grow with the squad. He can help them grow, which I think he will. And win some trophies. It might not be the Prem. It might not be the Champions League. But it, it spurs at the end of the day. Like... That's that's who we are, and, uh, and these we have tactics to take... translate better to Europe too. Yeah, they do. Um, it's why we do so well in Europe. Yeah, because being a chameleon, like I said, being a transition monster is literally the key to beating teams in Europe. Because everyone in Europe now just wants the ball. Yeah, it's all tick attack. It's all possession. You know, so. Why Atletico Madrid usually does really good in Europe if they can get out of the group. Yeah. As long as they get out of the group stage. It's always tough for them to get out of the group stage, but once they get out, like, over two legs, it's it's tough to beat them while they're down. I mean, think about that Liverpool tie. That thing was crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Their most recent tie against City. City struggled, you know. It was down to the wire. I agree with you, like, Spurs have a great shot at silverware. I don't think it's a hot take. I think so too. I think, and honestly, I think that's probably a good place to end off just because it's a very positive note. Um, yes, sir. Thank you for coming, Kev. I will have you again whenever you want. Just let me know. Um, I will. I'm more. Was... You're you're more than welcome to join. Literally, whenever. <laughs> Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and if you ever watch a Madrid game and want to come on and talk about it, let me know. I'll be here. I'm back. Yeah. Talk about it all the time. So feel free. I, I know right, you. Man. I know you don't. I know you kind of like Real Madrid a little bit. Yeah, I do. I do. Do you want to plug your uh, anything for yourself? Feel yeah, free I'll to plug. Yeah, thank you. I'll plug the YouTube channel. I'm. I don't really talk about sports on the YouTube channel, but it's uh, Kev Gep K E V G E P. If you want some some politics or philosophy based stuff. I did make a video about Neymar. So he did. I watched it. It was solid. Very solid. Would Thank 10 you. out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> Thank and you. Kevin, I don't, Kevin, I don't agree politically, but we're, he's a very intellectual person. So <laughs> we have a lot of deep conversations. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah. Well, it's great having you. So thank you all for listening. Again, this is La Casa Blanca podcast. Even though I know we didn't talk about the White House at all. Actually, it's a lot. We did talk about a little bit of Real Madrid stuff, but vaguely. Um, thank you all for listening. Go follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you can find us. Follow us and holla Madrid not a mas, and have a wonderful day. I hope you listen to all two hours and 22 minutes of this podcast because that is fucking long. Thanks, Kev. <laughs> have a good night.